It's Christmas Eve. All who believe Santa is here, but once a year, all girls and boys dream of new toys. Soundly they sleep, wishes to keep. Jing jing a ling, come hear us sing. Breaths on the door, stockings and more. Magic this drive, spells come alive. Snow in the air, laughter to share. Welcome to the Literary License Podcast. Uh, This week we will be covering a Christmas horror story from 2015 and Tales from the Crypt from 1972. Uh, I am your host through the anthology series, Joe Randazzo. And uh, before we move into uh, the movies themselves, let's see who we've got with us. We have uh, Davide Cavallo. How are you doing today? Hi, everyone. I'm very, very good. Uh, Vicky Ray. Hi, guys. And the... uh, the leader of uh, Literary License, Keith Chago. Happy holidays to our heathen people. You heathens. They're all heathens. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Don't forget the Merry fucking Christmas part. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Whatever you celebrate, may it be merry. Um, so Get us before through we this go, week, Lord. <laughs> before we go... Before we go into the movies, let's uh, just find out what everybody's been doing uh, this week, uh, starting with you, Davide. Um, Right, my private life, not much. I mean, I'm working. I've had a very tiny, small surgery, so I'm struggling a little bit with the pain, but I'm I'm alive, so it's all good. No, you had surgery? Yeah, just a tiny one. Um, But um, 
it's it's Christmas. I mean, it's Christmas. Yes, of course it is. But it's winter period as well. So, you know, it's a bit, a bit of a struggle with sometimes not having enough light, not going outside much. So, you know, a little bit of depression, anxiety, whatever. But tanning beds. Tanning bed. I know, I know. But then of light. Me meditation helps a lot. That's my advice to everyone. I've been doing heavily meditation. I literally come home. All I do is just put on the headphones and then listen to guided meditation. It helps. In meditation. I wish I could do that. So I you're could. saying you didn't, you didn't enjoy else. last night's um, 19 hours of darkness? 19 hours of darkness. We had 19 hours of darkness last night. Cause you know, you lose power last night? No, no, we have, uh, last night was the longest night of the year, so we get 19 hours of darkness. And now, oh, now well, yeah, that's right. Oh, you guys yes. are so far north, I keep forgetting. Yeah. It freaks me out when the sun is out in England and I'm there, and it's like 9 o'clock at night. <laughs> <laughs> like, honest, it's hell? always dark. This is a very dark period. I mean, I, it's okay, but it's just sometimes it's just it's waking up early in the morning. Sometimes. Yeah, it's just like waking up in the morning and it's dark and then, coming out of work and it's dark and oh gosh yeah that would so, get on my that would get to me yeah. a little bit but there's also still so much going on but it's okay i mean meditation helps a lot that's my advice but between this week and last week i watched an immense amount of stuff so i finally finished managed to finish the latest series of american horror story thank god and thank my you. god joe, joe you need to watch it because you have are no you way. talking about delicate is that the? Uh, I I have not seen a single scene. Oh yes, yes. De delicate. I am halfway one. through it. When we're done, you're going to have to tell me what the fuck that is all about because I have been asking you. Somebody please explain to me American Horror Story Delicate because I'm just uh, it's like what it's, is going it's, on here. The nice thing is the anxieties of the anxieties of pregnancy. Giving up her career and getting pregnant and what that yeah. means. But it's, you know, it's bizarre. It's American horror. So it, yeah. it is bizarre, but it's it's good that they try different things. On top of that, I also watched a series of American horror stories, which I thought I was going to be I like American horror boring. stories. Those yeah, are but, really good. Those but really the first, good. first two episodes that, that, that it's basically one story I didn't like. But the, the other one, one I, the only one I well, liked was the dollhouse one. I like the dollhouse one. I haven't seen that one yet. One. But, but really watch them. This is my advice for you, Joe's. I think you might really enjoy it. Um, I think You're talking really about this last season specifically? You think I'll really enjoy no, it? No, no, no. I'll tell you that every season of American Horror Story and Just American Horror Story. Yeah, okay. Joe needs more to watch. <laughs> I mean, for once, I'm suggesting work. something. When it, com when it comes to long-form stuff, man, I am not I know, but good then. I that still haven't promise, seen all those. I promise um, it's worth it. I promise it's worth it. God, what is uh, yeah. what is his name? I still want to watch all those Mike Flanagan Netflix series, and I haven't watched a single one of those yet. Uh, but I, I I should do. I I just got to do them one episode a day and get through them that way. Maybe that's remember maybe it's hibernation that's winter period. This is the time to stay home and do nothing but watching. Well, ne next month I'm gonna be in New Jersey for like. <clears throat> for like two weeks and i'm not gonna have my dvd and blu-ray collection with me so maybe that'll be the time to throw yes. fire them up on the laptop and but please don't give, please don't give up an american horror story you might find some series a little bit oh i mean it's always gonna be i yeah. love american horror story i just some of, them are, I, some of the themes are more like like uh coven that's my absolute favorite go-to horror story I which love one american American Horror Story Coven. I love. Oh my Coven. gosh! Absolutely yeah. loved Coven. My favorite. Out of and, all then of them. Free, and then and Murder House. Yeah. Murder House. 
But yeah, just there, don't give a, up. There's a few advice. of them that I really want to check out because thematically, like, I, Hotel just got fucking freaky. <laughs> Hotel was just freaky. <laughs> well, that was based on H.H. Holmes, wasn't it? So, I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, there's certain themes like, like I might, I might not watch them in order. I might jump around based on you know what I um. Oh, don't do that because some of them have crossovers. Oh, no, do they that. Do okay. Crossover. They all. I'm glad you warned them. I'm glad you warned me there. And the crossovers like, also. They all tie. They all tie in. Some. They all there. tie in. But then yeah. the oh, crossovers are also in I the American. Every individual movies. season was just its own thing. I didn't realize oh. they crossed over. Well, they they, they, they one, two, and three—they don't seem like they—they're connected. And by right. the time you get to the fourth and fifth, they start connecting things up. So. And then oh, they do okay. it in my head as well. But also, American Horror Stories has two, maybe three stories that are connected to the original American Horror Story series. Yeah. So it's interesting. I don't know, that's my advice. Watch it. They're, yeah, you know, they're they're all on what Netflix or whatever. Yeah, Disney. All on Disney. Disney here. They're not going to be on Disney over here, though. They'll probably yeah, on Hulu. It's, over it, here, it's, it's an FX series, or whatever. Yeah, FX. It's probably going to be on Hulu here. Yeah, okay. It's on Hulu. All of them are in a Hulu. Yeah, so be- but besides American Horror Story, I also watched an animation. I don't know if you ever heard of. It's called Hilda. It's a it's a cartoon animation. It's on net. It's on Netflix, and I watched only season three because I had watched the first two series. And what is it? It's called Hilda. It's a story about this little girl living with a mother, and then it's it's in in Scandinavian, in a Scandinavian country, and she goes and meets all these magical creatures, and there's a lot of folklore of not from the Norse mythologies and stuff. It's beautiful. I love. I personally love it. So I mean, they, they, all the all the voices are very British. So, but I, I I like it. I love British voices. I just love I just love the accent. But as soon as Keith gets back stateside, he'll just sound like a schlep, like the rest of us in Texas. <laughs> He's gonna sound so confused. He'll have a, like a British slash Texan accent. He'll be totally fucked when you get here. I can speak more British if you like. I just don't speak very British over here because it's because the stuff that I said would get me fired if I had a British accent. <laughs> You're probably a conversation piece, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, there's those things I, I say over here and they just look at me and go, bless, he's American. He doesn't know any better. Ah, <laughs> uh, the tolerance. I mean, da- Davide can attest to some of the stuff I say out loud at work. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not going to, I'm not going to repeat any of this, to be honest. I, I could just imagine. I could just imagine. But yeah, besides watching this 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 animation, which I finished, then I started watching a Japanese animal uh, called on Myoji, probably not very well known, but it's about this guy who's basically doing exorcisms and dealing with spirits and ghosts and demons and stuff. I love it. My stuff, but yeah, that's, that's it for me. I'm all up into exorcism. I haven't been to a good exorcism in at least a decade. <laughs> I miss ghost hunting. <laughs> I I Japanese exorcisms. Japanese exorcisms might be a little bit different, but yeah, fuck that, man. Those people go all out, man. It's not normal. <laughs> I'd rather have a good old American exorcism than the Japanese ones. They don't have any filters. <laughs> Oh, speaking of which, I saw I I, I was at Barnes and Noble the other day, and I saw Exorcist Believers out on Blu-ray, and I'm like, Ooh, it's still don't do it, Joe. Don't do it, baby. <laughs> uh, I, I don't even want to watch it for free on Peacock, <laughs> let alone buy it. It's fucking bad, Joe. Have you seen it? <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. I, I haven't. It's so disappointing. Do you have There's the other jump scares? Do you have the other Exorcist on Blu-ray? 
Um, I have I really one, three, one, three, both versions of four. Okay. They're going to say, I can imagine that. And, probably and by, actually, uh, by the end of next year, they'll probably come out with a box that will have one, two, three. I bet you, right. Oh, I bet you, right. And actually, now, now that I think of it, the only reason I own both versions of four is because I saw both of them at Dollar Tree. So they're a dollar twenty-five a disc. I was like, all right, I'll take well, yeah, They got some, yeah, they do got some deals. There's a whole bunch of movies. I need to go and probably ransack. But they always end, they ended like always doing like a box set that ends up being a lot cheaper in the end. So yeah. Yeah, like the I mean, I, I I've been buying them as I go. So yeah. you know, I, I still have uh I have uh, both versions of the original, the the theatrical version and the version you've never seen, which is now ironically the version everybody's seen because it's the only version readily available. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about you, Vicky? What have you been up to? Not much. Just doing a lot of Christmassy stuff. A lot of cooking. I've been cold in Texas, so I've been, I've been baking like crazy. i got to watch it. What constitutes is cold? What uh, constitutes cold in Texas? 36 <laughs> degrees is cold for me, okay? It's cold. I'm old and I have arthritis. I don't like the cold. I don't like the cold. It doesn't. Yeah. Do, I feel like a human barometer. So, so basically, so basically, Vicky's spring weather. I'm so used to it being. A, it's been 108 down here for like two and a half months. I'm just totally just not ready for this shit. It's gonna be 67 today, so life is good. Uh, I, what I, did I, I say? I, I watched, a, um, huh? No, go ahead. Oh, uh, I was gonna say I watched, finally got a chance to watch Predators. It's the only one I've not watched ever. I love it. Is that it. the Predators. Halloween set one? No, well, Predators, you know, the one Brody. where they're all on the, they get kidnapped. And oh, the that's Predators. the one in the jungle where, okay. Yeah, that one was the actually Predators pretty good. Throw them out. I keep hoping they'll make a second one. That was really good. I liked that one a lot. I, I think, think they were going cool. to, but it didn't do as well as they thought it was. It probably didn't, but it was good for like a rainy day movie. I enjoyed oh, it. It's a good film. <laughs> I saw it at movie theaters. I like that. Yeah. And I followed that up with Aliens because it was a rainy day. I don't know why. That's my favorite Alien movie with Sigourney Weaver's Aliens. Well, and I, I, I watched Monarch again last night. There are monsters in Monarch, right? It's a series, or is it a soap opera for the people who work in Monarch? <laughs> there are no fucking monsters. I've only seen two episodes so far, so I... Uh, I'm up I, to I episode be... seven, and I'm getting huffy. <laughs> getting huffy. <laughs> You do have monsters in your Monarch Monster series. Yeah, it's, it's weird because we have three running Godzilla series now. Yeah. Did you see so, that the trailer for the new Godzilla with the Godzilla Conqueror? I like hated it, that trailer. It, I think I didn't like it either. They're marveling I think out. It That's terrible. It looks like they're marveling out. That's the only thesis I yeah. have for it. You I know mean, what the, I'm saying? It looks like it looks like bad animation because it there's... looks stupid. Maybe I'm wrong. It's just a trailer, but what the fuck? Well, yeah. I mean, I got, another thing is you got to remember it's got another year before it comes out. It's not yeah. coming out. It's not coming out to Christmas 2024. But, but guys, what turns pink? why is Godzilla I... turning pink? Godzilla is uh, not pink. But I'm, th I'm wondering if it might have something to do with the simple fact that this that they. There's, not, the, there's going to be a if it's coming out in December 2024. There's probably a huge post production thing. So possibly that's years post production. That's, but that's so that's what you're the seeing thing in the I'm trailers. Like, oh, why are a huge, huge? Why are you putting out these trailers with unfinished effects? Yeah, no, you're I, right. That is yeah. a good point, Joe. That is. No, it looks shitty. It looks shitty the way it is. I'm yeah. not excited about it. 
When I saw Godzilla minus zero trailers, I was like, yeah, I saw me. I, was I think, I think, I think good. what, to be honest, I think what, ha I think the reason why they rushed the, the trailer out, I think is because Godzilla minus one has done so fantastically well that they're wanting yeah. to get on the bandwagon really quickly. And you're that's, probably, that's, you're probably uh, right, but it's a totally uh, because, different monster. Because the thing, because what I'm thinking to myself is this, is like, why are they coming up with a trailer a year before the fact? Yeah, yeah, they might be wanting to catch some of that momentum. And that's, and that's, that's the only thing that makes sense because if you look at the human, if you look at humans in a whole, four four to five weeks from now, they're not going to remember that trailer even came out. Right. So, yeah, I we're will. constantly getting bombarded with shit. So yeah. Yeah. So and so that's like, why are they doing this? I don't know, but I was all normally, excited. Normally, what you series. get like a year a year before anything comes out, what you would normally get is like a sound effect, a ripple effect, and then it's like coming soon, Godzilla versus King yeah, Kong. something. You know what I mean? But you wouldn't get like a full trailer. Like that's what's yeah. Weird. Well, the you trailer you get like a teaser. You get a teaser trailer. So it's like a full trailer of unfinished effects. Yeah, yes, there you go. And I that's... finally finally watched the ever popular and mutually divisive barbie i don't understand why anybody's mad about this movie it's about female <laughs> empowerment i do not understand why anybody's i thought i was gonna see because it's about female empowerment that's why they're angry it's about actually it. a good movie i thought well, who, was, was who, was angry, well, who was angry about it oh you had the lefties and the righties one of them thought it was patriarchy and this one thought oh, they were making fun of men this one was making anti-toxic masculinity there was people arguing about that uh, everybody okay. right left kind of stuff you know uh, what i'm talking about joe over here How i know what like you're talking it. about and you know uh, it's i it mean the movie does the movie does obviously have a political message obviously i didn't the, the, really think that i didn't think it was that political. well you just said it's about female empowerment that is a political message well yeah but the, but the feminists were the ones bitching about the movie i thought it was very empowering for women i mean barbie had her whole world and she ruled like we she did when we were little girls that's i just don't understand it was a yeah, very but don't, but don't you but don't you think movie. that don't you think now with these leftists and right groups that when anything becomes popular all of a sudden to get their 15 minutes of fame or yeah, to get, you're right. get people to notice them. All of a sudden they'll say something really negative just to sit Margo there. Margot Robbie can do no because wrong in my I, book. I find I the people her. I find the people who lead these kind of groups, you know, no, it doesn't matter what side you're on or whatever. It like, doesn't. There's but, always but there an people that, there are people that's craving fucking attention. Yeah. And the problem basically is that people are giving them that attention. That's where, the sad part. It just perpetuates the BS. And, and the thing is, and then what happens is, is that these same groups, a year later, all of a sudden have a different opinion. They go like, oh, yeah, I really enjoyed it now. I re I revalued it. It's like, what? Oh, I thought it was, a, I loved it. I'd be watching it again. I thought it yeah, was. Yeah, it's, it's a fun movie. movie. Uh, it is. It's just a fun, good feel. It's a it, good, fun movie. There's nothing. They are. I don't. I didn't see any insulting to the right or to the left. I did. I didn't think it was insulting to men. You guys might think something different. Nah, uh, I, I, I do find it. Was that movie where the um the lefties were bumping off the right people? What's it called? It came out and everyone's like in arms about this. Oh, movie. the hunt. The hunt. And then you watch I the hunt. That I still movie haven't too. seen that. <laughs> It's a really good film, but it's like this film is like it's like everyone's like, Ugh. and then you watch it, it's like, what the hell's the big deal? Because it both sides, made, both sides are made fun of. 
One side yeah. wasn't better than the other. So it was well equal, and it, and it made you take it took the piss out of both sides. So you actually realized how ridiculous both sides are. That that I did appreciate of. I did. The yeah, idea, the, this idea people have that movies are suddenly now political is. Movies have been, po- movies have been political been since Charlie political. Chaplin was 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 making movies about income inequality a hundred years ago. Yeah. So the idea it's of politics in movies is is nothing new. But I mean, it um, wasn't it wasn't the kind that the movie that was pushing shit in your face and trying to be offensive. It was just well, War- no Warner. Attention. Warner was making what was what were called the message pictures. In in the thirties, like Midnight Mary and Heroes for Sale and that yeah. stuff. This stuff's always been around. Um, yeah. it's it, it's just now we have we have this this fucking cottage industry of people telling you you should be angry at this movie for its politics. Whereas I don't think we had that ninety years ago. I well, don't think we yeah, did. But the thing, what I'm wondering is this: I have a friend who works in PR, and their job is to get as much free publicity as possible. Whether it's good or bad. So isn't it possible that the PR companies are perpetrating this kind of madness? Very possible. To be honest, if Barbie did not have this kind of stuff going on behind it, it might not have been as huge a hit as it was. Maybe. So everybody's like, oh, I need to go see that now. Well, it's not the big hit. Godzilla is a big hit now. You know... You know, Ca- Casablanca is political as hell. I mean, even if you go into like a movie like Death Wish, where you have very right wing politics at play. I, I don't movies. know if I saw it as right wing. I just saw it really as a man who was pissed off. And it's a vigilante movie. It's a vigilante movie. Anytime it's anything's a vigilante movie, it's a right wing. Because left, left I guess people, it would be. Yeah, I can see that. Because the process is basically right people, if something bad happens to them, they want to get revenge. Left well, I can people imagine left people for the don't want to deal with it. That's the left right kind of situation as far as a political. But I would kind of think we all we all are different here political wise. But I mean, I would still think that as men, whether you're Democrat or whatever you are, that you would be pissed if someone did that to your family. No. Oh, yeah. No, but what, but what I'm saying is what you find in films. You're films still a man. No, but what you find in films in general is that if a leftist or a liberal person, um, something bad happens to them or their family, then what you have is the movies where they're trying to get the court system to work for them in a proper way. And a right, yeah. if you if you got a right propaganda film and the same thing happens, then the guy takes a gun and he takes the law into his own hands. So it's, you know, now the thing is, both both sides. I mean, to be honest, most people I probably just watched be somewhere, all the death wishes last week. Now let's take, re- but let's take reality. Now <laughs> reality is that we would all fall somewhere in the middle if anything like that happened to us. <laughs> so like, I don't like, know. Look, look, most, right there's now, a lot of us. There's a lot of us. We would all be, we all be torn whether angry. to take whether to be the vigilante or get the police to do what they what they need to do. So we be I mean, so right, we all be somewhere in the middle. Somewhere. I'm literally dealing with this right now because a close friend of mine was murdered in June. Right. Somebody hurt somebody. For human beings, well, human beings though. I mean, it's you know whether you know simple fact is let's say, let's say let's take a simple car accident. Let's sit there and say that. Some drunk driver, you know, hits somebody and, you know, it causes the death of someone you know. Now, the thing is, it was an accident. The person shouldn't be driving. It wasn't uh, it wasn't malicious on their part. But you still right. kind of want, you know, you still want retribution. And it, I mean, it, but that doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It just means that. No. 
You know, I mean, and the thing is, at the end of the day, when it, come, when it comes to humans in society anyway, and whether you want to go biblical or not, it's all an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. That's why we have the prison sentence anyway. So yeah. that's sort of stitching. So, yeah, I mean, so, so, so having those feelings is completely natural. And that's that's why we all, and that's why outside of films, that's why we all, that's why we're all like in the middle system, right? So we, we want justice, but sometimes, but part of us really would like to go out there and just shoot them in the head. And well, the, and the, the civilized part of us—it's like, but we all want that. And the civilized part of us, all you know, for the yeah. most part, tends to win out. Yeah. How many vigilante crimes are out there? <laughs> probably, a, probably a few. We probably don't hear about them as much, though. So it's our. Remember the guy in New York City? Remember him? Yeah, but you're just like the isolated cases. But I'm sure if you know, and you look at how many people get murdered. Right. A year. No, and, I've actually. And to be honest, it's Charles like, and, I, and I'm sure if people were going Charles Bronson on people's asses for this, I'm sure we would hear <laughs> we would hear about it. That's all I'm saying. So, no, I guess nobody is. Well, every once in a while, like that guy that got it. Well, I guess they didn't put him in prison. He molested his son. He blew his head off on freaking live news. I was like, holy shit, Ops, I'll send you the clip. He did. Yeah, but, but the reason why the reason why he did that is basically because he couldn't face the shame and the consequences of his dirty deeds. He was, no, he the father of the child shot the pervert in the head on live oh, okay. TV. Well, yeah, he just that, blew him away. Just like let that. I would have done. But the question is, the question is, how did the father get? Who who allowed the father to get so close to him to be able to do that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's sort of like I, I think our Secret Service is screwing up too because the president was standing. He was doing something the other day. Go, they were screaming to him something in question, and all of a sudden you heard boom, boom. You know, and it was a car hitting another car, and the Secret Service is just like looking around. Well, usually when you hear something like that, are you supposed to throw him in the car? Yeah, jump on him. Yeah. I didn't even hear you know, about it. It's yeah. like they're all sitting there looking around. This is like, what are you doing? You're supposed to throw them in the car. But I, th I think I think Biden's like shares. Like even after nuclear war, the only the only things that'll be alive will be Biden's share and cockroaches. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! I didn't, even, I didn't even hear about this. Like it was like a it was like a car accident within earshot of where yeah, the president well, they was. They were catcalling to him about the polls or something. He says you're reading the wrong polls. And then at the, it's a video clip, you're reading the wrong polls, and then a car runs into another car. It sounded like a big boom, but the Secret Service, people commented on it, though. I'm going, Gans, did the Secret Service didn't, they were just standing there like, oh, what's that? You're supposed to immediately grab it. Yeah, <laughs> you're supposed to immediately grab the president and, and get him out of there, yeah. They might have, they, I mean, to be honest, they're probably out of practice. I think yeah. they hate their detail, to tell you the truth. I think I, I think I think they're out of practice. It's been about twenty years since anyone's tried to make an attempt. I mean, between the sixties and the eighties, there was a lot of attempts, so they had a lot of practice. Well, remember Reagan when he got shot? I was like, yeah, I was going to say, I don't think there's been an actual attempt since Reagan. The the no, worst that happened so. the, to Bush was somebody threw a shoe at him. Yeah, that yeah. was funny. <laughs> 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 I was just like, damn, she missed him too. I couldn't stand it. <laughs> Well, I think, I but I think Reagan's the last like actual attempt on a president's life that I could think of. Yeah, yeah. There was a couple either. people jumped on stage when after Trump won. Oh, oh, that there was, was uh, there, there was, there was some guy who got arrested outside the White House like last year, 
but I, uh, but yeah, it's it, it'll, yeah, but that. They were usually just goofballs with mental health issues. Yeah, that that guy wasn't going to get anywhere. You're going to try to jump the fence and run into the White House. You're you're going to get caught. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to get too far. I don't care who. You yeah, are. you're not going to get far at all. Um, People cracking up. Yeah, how do we get around but to this? Oh, yeah, the the po- the politics of Barbie uh, versus you know. I just didn't. I just thought it was an. I thought it was like uplifting female movie. I didn't think it re- deserved the beating up that it got is what i'm saying and we all know how i am i mean so. it also it, it also made uh what like over a billion dollars so it's you know it did pretty people good. were clearly not paying attention to any of that and they were just going to the movie anyway which i just good. thought it was a fun movie if you hear a movie's good go to it if you hear a movie's good just go to it you know if you if you disagree with the politics you disagree with the politics right. you I'll know just turn it off if it gets there, too much for it there's a conversation you could have about that later but don't don't let people dissuade you from seeing the movie over over politics. Yeah, you know, because the other the other the other one I haven't seen it yet. The other big big one uh, on the uh, on the political uh, thing was the Sound of Freedom, which I haven't seen yet. I get a box of tissue. I that really wasn't that bad either, as far as politics. It didn't go after anybody. It was just about the child trafficking. I think. I, I think. I, yeah, that's the thing is I don't. I don't. I, I haven't seen the movie yet. I don't know if the movie itself is political it's or not if really. people it's not adopted really. it and added their own twist to it. Barbie, I feel, definitely had a political bent. It I definitely was a pro feminist. I guess. I guess. I just didn't think nothing of it. I, I. I still enjoy the movie. It's still a damn good movie. I think. Uh, I really enjoy. I just Barbie. love Margot Robbie. I love Margot Robbie. I, and I, I sent gotta... you when I was when I was watching Barbie. I sent you guys a message. I saw it like a, a like two months ago or something. And I, you know, I just joked. I was like, "Has any in mainstream movies outside of porn has any woman ever had her, ever had her feet fetishized as much as Margot Robbie has?" Uma Thurman <laughs> and um, Kill Bill. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, I guess that. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, one 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 of the one of the movies I was going to reference was you know her her in the uh, the Tarantino movie one uh, you know um, once upon a time in Hollywood where she's uh, she's playing Sharon Tate and she's got her feet up on the uh, on the theater seat and the the shot is of her feet uh, in Wolf she's of Wall Street. There's, there's that uh, there's that scene with her and Leo DiCaprio where she lifts her leg up and puts her foot on his face. In this movie, she's got her. Uh, I was like, oh, that's right. They do do that with What about Death Proof? The Which opening one? is um, Sydney yeah. Portier's daughter's foot, isn't that for the whole thing? Like, yeah. waving, waving oh, and uh, uh, yeah, even uh, even uh, again, once upon a time in uh, in, in Hollywood, the uh, the young girl uh, uh, who's starting to break out now, um, Margaret Qualley. Her, yeah, so like, damn Quentin, <laughs> calm it down. <laughs> but Margot Robbie, outside of Tarantino movies, has even had her feet fetishized a lot. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> well, because feet are usually ugly. And if you find somebody that has a pretty pair of feet, I guess you gush over them. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it's, just, it's just strange to me that like... Uh, that's why I made the joke of outside of porn has any has any single actress had her feet highlighted in as many movies as Margot Robbie has. I can't really think of one. Yeah, because <laughs> it's pretty prominent in all her movies. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to go back and watch the Harley right. Quinn movie, but uh but yeah, um, so yeah, I enjoyed Barbie too. I. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> God, uh, what else would be up to, Vix? Or do you want me to move on to Keith? That's it. We can move on. We just tangents <laughs> ourselves out for 40 minutes. All right, Keith, what have you been up to? Um, I've been up to a lot. Um, had the Christmas party yesterday, which is quite good. Um, they're all preparing for my farewell party on the 11th of January, which is going to be an all day and all night event, apparently. So everybody's going to be so happy. <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of weird because I mean, the worst thing is that they all wanted pictures yesterday, so I hate having my picture taken. So that, uh... that, that was that was an hour of hell. I'm oh, just those people care about you. Oh, yeah, it's your last Christmas there. Just throw them a bone, Keith. It's always like that when you're leaving a job. It's yeah. but, but it was nice. It's hard. But, but it's, it's definitely always hard. Television viewing, my whole television viewing has been filled <laughs> up with Fargo, the TV series, because it's come back. So that's... I mean, I started with season one, and I'm now in season three. I mean, what a brilliant series. I mean, it's one Which of series? the... Fargo. Fargo. One oh, of... I haven't started watching it yet. I heard it was oh. great. I gotta start watching it. I mean, it. I started I went back to like season one. I mean, they're not connected individual stories. Right. I mean, this Colin Hanks in the first one is fucking brilliant. I mean, Colin Hanks is an under un, unsung hero of mine. I just think he's one of the best actors out there. And and Keith Carradine and you know, and then you get yeah. second one with um Patrick Wilson and you know and um you know, Kieran Cockin and all the other stuff, and Kirsten Dunst, and then of course you get the third one with you know you get you and McGregor playing twins, and and the stories are you know, and what I think I like about Fargo, without giving anything away, it starts off with one person making a small mistake that involves the turn just goes over and over and just and leads to murder and all this, and all because of one small mistake. I love so. the movie. The movie was fucking hysterical. Yeah. yeah, the the movie's fantastic. I actually recently bought the movie on DVD because I was like, wait, how do I not have a copy of this? Yeah. It's a but great I, movie. I, what struck me as you were just going through the cast is Heath Carradine, Kieran Culkin, Colin Hanks. Right. You have all you have all the less famous siblings mm. <laughs> or, or, or or kids in this movie. And the thing is, and, and and when you think about it, those siblings are actually better actors than they're, they're the ones that get all the best notices. I mean, you look at Colin Hanks. I mean, how many great notices does he get? And, or you look right. at Kieran Culkin. He's doing a hell of a lot better than Macaulay ever did. Yeah. Well, as, he's doing, he's doing a lot of serious roles though, too. Well, but, but the thing is, is like, if you look at him in succession. Yeah. Alone. Yeah. And, and you look at, you know, River's Edge and all these other things that he's done to his career. It's like, you know, he's done some critically sounded, work of art colin hanks whenever you see him is clinically very sounded you know yeah. there, there's no missteps here going on and keith and we look at um Dave, keith carradine if you look at him i mean everything he does is very i mean he he has never done the schlock has he he's always done the yeah he's he's always been the one who has been very selective whereas robert and david well david david carradine and uh, john john carradine did a lot of schlock um, but yeah, uh, David did. David Carradine's kind of sad because what happened with well, I mean, aside from his his death, um, but what happened with him was he he made all that money on Kung Fu. He went into trying to produce and direct. He funded his own movie, and it flopped hard. 
And he God, just, that's painful, isn't it? And he ended up in his father's shoes where he was just doing, you know, whatever was going to pay him. And a lot of what and he's such a good actor, too. That's so yeah. sad. Well, I think with David Carradine, though, I think I, I think the problem with David Carradine is he is the period that he came out because all the roles that he could have been do doing, Peter Fonda got. Yes. Yeah, yes. that's true. So, and I, you know, and I Do think, you think that, there was a reason for that. Was he passed over or? No, I just think, I mean, to be honest, I don't know what, I mean, maybe Peter, I mean, Peter Pavon's just, got, he's, he's I got, know he auditioned for Easy Rider. Well, he's, just, he's got he's got Jane Fonda and Henry Fonda backing him up. So, that, I mean, there's probably a lot more connections there. I mean, uh, and also, 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 when you think of when you think of uh, when you think of Easy Rider and who was behind that, that was the Corman camp, man. You know, and he he came out of that Corman camp too, because that's yeah. Nicholson Hopper. Uh, Peter Fonda's one big line in there: "Somebody stole my sickle." <laughs> So, uh, with David Carradine, I mean, you know, let's let's not you know disparage his career because Kung Fu. That's oh, no, what I'm saying. The Carradine Kung Fu was a huge hit. Well, yes, I mean, it was. I remember gotta, watching it. But see, there, there's a big difference from being, um, a, let's say that you're Humphrey Bogart back then, at least. Yeah, TV versus. Right, but let's say that yeah. yeah. Let's say that say that if you're Boris Karloff's children compared to Henry Bogart's children, Henry Bogart's children probably would be giving a lot more notices. Yeah, a lot more opportunity. Because yeah. one's horror, schlocky horror, and the other one's, you know, child of yeah. an Academy Award winner. <laughs> so there's, that's why the difference situation is. I'm, right. not, I'm not saying that the Carradines are bad actors at all. That's not what I'm saying. No. I'm just no, I, 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 know I what would you're imagine saying. that in the in the Hollywood way things are in Hollywood, yeah. I would sit there you're and right. say the Fonda name would probably open a lot more doors than a Carradine. Oh, I bet it would. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Like you said, Academy Award winner, you know, the the, the star of the Grapes of Wrath versus, you know, the, oh, yeah, the third yeah. the third guy to play Dracula in the Universal series. And if and if you look at and and if you also look at the sisters' career at, at that same time. Yeah. 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 You know, outside of our politics, uh, which is probably but you got and you got an amaze for someone whose politics were so against the American society at that moment and still be going forward without it yeah. without it well, barbarella i think Don't also forget barbarella. at that point i mean i, I you know I, I wasn't alive for this yeah. but i i think at that point public <laughs> opinion on vietnam was probably swinging forward on the jane fonda side at that point anyway yeah but what I'm, but I, what i guess what i'm saying is that you know it didn't it didn't dampen maybe a little prestigious well, it didn't. It didn't make her prestigious because the thing is, is a lot of people were not going to see her films. But at the same time, they're still giving. I'm talking her... about the Fonda name because of her dad. Yeah, well, well, well I mean, that's you're still doing like Cat Baloo, Clute, um, yeah, Barefoot in the Park, Barbarella. Barbarella's at the very beginning of her career because she was dating Roger Vedum at the moment, wasn't she? And I watched Barbarella. He cast her and her brother <laughs> as I, lovers. I he then went on Who to cast lovers? her and her brother lovers. as lovers in uh, yeah. uh, Spirits of the Dead. Yeah. Which was fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. So, so, what I'm, so what I'm saying is that, you know, so when he got that going on, you know, of course, Peter Fonda is going to be offered better roles as well. So. I mean, Peter Fonda in the late 60s was still relevant because of uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. So, yeah, he was still riding high even then because that movie 
was you know a masterpiece and hugely successful. And he was part of the film culture, uh, counterculture at the moment is at that time as well. It was like that's true. Movement. So was Peter actually? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, so, he was yeah. definitely counterculture. Peter Fonda, hell yeah. Yeah. And of course, he did Race with the Devil, which we all love. I love <laughs> I, that movie. I do I love, love that. Uh, I just wish I, we had one more shot at Laura Parker. Yeah. God dang it, that makes me sad. I'm sure we could find something. So, but um, but other than that, um, just getting things ready for Christmas and wrapping and all the other stuff, and then got the week off. So we probably watch One Lion King for next week's broadcast. See both I mean, of yeah, I've seen them already. I've seen that other one. Well, I had kids when The Lion King came out. I know that, but I could sing that whole thing backwards. Yeah. I, I, Actually, thank thanks to doing this podcast, I got off my ass and just went. You know what? I I want the I want the original Lion King on Blu-ray. And I went and picked it up because I'm like, mm. this this gave me an excuse to 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 finally get it. And it's good. Um, I, I haven't seen the remake yet. I'll watch it for next week. Um, I you know I'm not gonna blind buy that one. <laughs> I'll just watch it on Disney Plus and we'll see how it goes. If I do well, like it, I will buy the Blu-ray. It's it's um, not heinous, but it's not as good as the cartoon. At least I don't. Well, 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 yeah. We'll get into that next week once we've all seen it. I Lion haven't King, seen the new one. Lion so. King's covering Shakespeare. It's King Lear, isn't it? It is. <laughs> but other than that, um, not much. Just getting ready for the festivities for Hall- um Christmas, not Halloween for Christmas. I'm always ready for Halloween. <laughs> and what about yourself? I'm always Jake? ready for Halloween. Christmas, not so. Well, um, as for me, last week, um, the first episode that I worked on for uh, for Joe Bob Briggs aired, and I I stayed up late, and I, man, I stayed through the Ginger Dead Man again. Don't get me going about the Shutter app that night. <laughs> that uh, well, uh, well, actually, no. What what ended up happening was uh, was Sean had to had to subscribe to Shutter because for the second time, this has happened to me twice, and it's happened to a few people that I know. I went into Shutter, and when I went to click on a movie, I went to click on a Christmas horror story early because I was like, I might as well just get it out of the way. Right. And it was telling me that I uh, I'm not subscribed, even though I am. And right. then when I went into when I went into see plans, it said, "Oh, you're already subscribed." So I'd go back to try to to try to watch a movie, and it would tell me I'm not subscribed. And I'm like, "Oh, I'm not going through this." So Sean ended up uh and ended up subscribing last week. Just so I we could uh, stay app. up and watch it. Ever still on the inter- uh, still on by the web? Is it does it have an app yet? Oh yeah, What's it's, that? Uh, yeah. The app, it's both the app and the web are telling me the same thing. Because in so, this country, yeah. Shutter doesn't have an app. Yeah, they do. Shutter doesn't have an app. They not do. In this country. Not in this country. Oh, not in the UK. They oh. gotta have. They don't. I no, thought you had, Well, you don't have to have the app on Prime, but I'd rather have the app because it's not interactive on Prime. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, and I, I wish they had it because here, what we have to do is have to log into a website that's Shutter, and I mean, I could do that right. on my Xbox, but I'd rather have just an app where I could just click on it and up it comes. Situation. Yeah, the, I, the I, drawback, the drawback with um, uh, with the Amazon version is you can't watch the live stuff. No. Yeah. And, Joe, and, Joe, and Joe Bob, and Joe Bob, all you get is the commentary about the movies. You just get the in between breaks. You don't get the movie with it. I oh, do. I think that depends on the movie because yeah, it's depends yeah, on the rights in, in different countries. Yeah, because I've I've heard people in Canada like sometimes they can't watch the movie; they'll just see Joe Bob's break-ins. I've heard yeah. that from people in the UK that sometimes they can't get the movie. I told you guys, you got my login for my VPN, you goof. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know, but it's just I don't want to really watch it on my computer. 
I'm being yeah. late. Yeah, well, cast back. it from your phone to the TV. Yeah, well, I could do that. I don't that's know. Always, that's always an option. I mean, I, I did, I did watch, I did watch the, um, I did watch the show though. I did see his breakthroughs. I mean, so, I mean, I got to see everything within an hour and a half. So, well, the thing is, with Shutter on Prime, is you got to wait for Joe Bob's next thing to come out three or four days later because they don't show it till like Monday or Tuesday. That's what I'm uh, saying. You can't so watch it live. We got it. Um, twenty four hours later. Takes me two or three days on Prime. That's why I got rid of it and got the app. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which totally uh, dicked me over last Friday, I might have. But yeah, I, I, I had to sit through the ginger dead man, but I waited to see my first credit on Shutter, and I'm like, yes. You didn't like so the cool. gingerbread man, Joe? I mean, I it's the movie is probably better it. seen once, and that's it. <laughs> I I already had to watch it twice this year, once to once to put in all the uh the break times and the second time to log everything that happens for Joe Bob's notes. So this was the third time. <laughs> I have to say, it's really cool seeing your names in the credit. That was really cool. <laughs> there, really there are cool. other movies that I can't, I can't say what they are yet, but there are other movies that I'm like, no, I will watch this again mm. when it airs, and I will happily watch it again when it airs because the movie is fantastic. The Ginger Dead Man is not that movie. Sorry, Charles Band, if you're surely not listening because he's making I probably thought it 10 was movies bizarre. Today. I thought it was oddly bizarre. <laughs> oh, I mean, it, it, I mean, it's so weird looking. The, the the really cool thing is they they had Robin Sydney who's the uh, the lead girl uh, in the movie and she's now Charles Band's uh, wife. Uh, she was on there and she was talking about how legitimately terrified she was of Gary Busey. I bet. <laughs> I can, that's I right. Know. Gary Busey was in that. That's right. That's what made it even more. Bizarre. Gary Busey was a, was the ginger dead man. He's in the he's in he's <laughs> in one. Right. It was I forgot about his part in it. Yeah. And then yeah, after after he dies. He he uh his, his spirit and his spirit inhabits a gingerbread cookie. It's it's really and the gingerbread it's, thing looks like him. I will say I will say this. I've seen all of them. I like the two sequels better. Because I feel like there were there was a lot more going on in, in the sequels. You just gotta smoke a lot of weed when you watch it. I'm so glad he never did a three D movie. <laughs> oh my yeah. god. Oh my god. Yeah. The the, uh, the 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 second Ginger Dead Man one happens, you know, takes place on the set uh, on, the, them, uh, right? on the studio, and uh, everyone's trying to make their movies, and the Ginger Dead Man just killing people off. And <laughs> the third one, if I remember, because it's been a few years, I think he gets transported back in time to the seventies, <laughs> and it's called <laughs> Saturday Night Cleaver, or something like that. It's Ginger Dead Man three, Saturday Night Cleaver, and I think he's attacking a roller rink in the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> Those two are a lot more fun. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. Oh my god, I'm so look for it. They're probably I think they're all on Tubi. They are. I'm so watching. <laughs> I didn't see that one. I never saw the one. I never saw the Evil Bong crossover. Uh, Ginger Dead Man versus Evil Bong. I never saw. Oh my god, I haven't seen that either. But the Evil Bong is some seriously fucked up shit. Uh, the first Evil Bong has an interesting cast because you get Tommy Chong and Bill Mosley and you know those people. Yeah. But Bill Mosley, anytime he shows up, I get all excited when I see. Yeah, him. he's uh, like, he's, oh, right, Bill Mosley. Again, it's been a few <laughs> years. I think he's a patron in a strip club or something. But Charles Band, if you're listening, nothing against your movies. I love, I, you know, I, I, I like your movies. He's not listening. He's making, he's making 25 movies today. He's not listening. Yeah, he ain't. <laughs> he's like, he's, he's, he's right now. His... He's, Right now, he, he just came up with an idea that, that he's going to shoot tomorrow. <laughs> that's, Does that's anybody inform James Gunn of the movie we want done and we want credit <laughs> for the idea? 
I was listening to the podcast the other day, and I was like, that would actually would make a good idea. That actually would be fun. Like I'm, still waiting, I'm still waiting for James Gunn to make our movie. <laughs> well, Warner, Warner's apparently broke, so. Um, besides that, uh, you know, that, that was the coolest thing in the world. Thank you, uh, Justin Martell and Austin Jennings, for giving me the opportunity. It's I've loved doing this job so far. It is I'm so happy it, it for brought you. Me so much, so much joy. Even if the movies don't always bring me joy, <laughs> and you guys will see some of the movies that I've had to that I've had to go through. And and, and to be fair, when Austin tell when Austin uh, sends me the list, sometimes I'll be like, I'm sorry to do this to you, but this is the movie. <laughs> That's <laughs> sort of like the- when Joe Bob did. Joe Bob did Cannibal Holocaust that one time, and he's going, you know, we were going to go here for this one. We're doing it. <laughs> like, yeah, he that, that's one where he gave the option of you could just watch just my segments without, without yeah, all the he's animal got the cruelty. Just, yeah, that one, that, yeah, Jesus, man. I still love the documentary I watched about that movie and how the, all the fucked up this shit that happened <laughs> with that movie and after that movie. And how all the actors he uh, Ruggiero Diodato uh, paid them to not like leave the house or anything because he wanted everyone <laughs> to think this was real. And then God. they brought him to court because they're like, "Well, these actors disappeared. They had to have them come, come to court." And like, no, we're actually still alive. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the market completely up. backfires on you. Um, besides that, I saw the holdovers, uh, which is really, really good. Um, I haven't, Scott wants to go see it. I'm going to have to take him. Paul Giamatti is excellent in it. Um, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a really, really good movie. Alexander Payne, um, excellent director. Uh, I love the look of the film. I love Paul Giamatti's dialogue. He's always so witty and spot on. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, the story is the story's hard. I mean, the story's nothing, you know, nothing reinventing the wheel. It's very similar to like, you know, Scent of a Woman and other movies like that. You know, um, so you've you've seen, you know, you've seen this kind of movie before. It's just really, really well done. And in the age of everything being a giant blockbuster tentpole movie, something like this, which, you know, 25 years ago still would have still would have gotten acclaim. But it would have been seen as, oh, okay, it's another, it's a, it's another movie in a, in a line of these kinds of movies. Nowadays, it feels so much more fresh because everything else that's coming out around it is a Marvel movie, a DC movie, uh, uh, a Godzilla movie, uh, uh, yeah. an Indiana Jones movie, or a movie about a movie about a doll. So there's always, yeah. there's always, uh, like, just it's nice to have a nice character based movie about human beings which <laughs> oddly enough we don't get much of anymore not anymore you're right um so yeah uh the holdovers is fantastic i also randomly because it was on it's not one of those 50 movie box sets but i actually really really liked it i saw the cast and i was like let me check this out a movie from 1936 called winter set which stars burgess meredith a very young burgess meredith i was gonna say uh, he's Really? Yeah, young. he was he was like I think like twenty seven or twenty eight when he made this. What year uh, was it? Nineteen thirty six. So he um he plays the son of a man. Well, all right, it starts out with uh the, these guys are walking down the street. They steal a car, and uh, they use the car to be seen on uh, at the scene of a at the scene of a murder. 
And John Carradine, who, yeah, oddly enough, we were talking about the Carradines a minute ago. John Carradine plays the father in this uh, in this home who owns the car. And even though he's home when the murder happens, because his car was there, he gets uh, he gets arrested because he had political leaflets in the car uh, that were uh, that were that were uh, seen as pro-communist. They uh, he was kind of railroaded into being uh, uh, executed for the murder. Sixteen years go by and some academics are uh, reevaluating the case and finding that there really was no evidence to have him uh, to have him executed. And at the same time, the now grown up Burgess Meredith is in the small town trying to find the men who framed his father. Uh, it's based on the Sacco and Vanzetti case. Um, oh, really? That's yeah, interesting. The, the movie's in the public domain. It's on one of those 50 movie boxes. Yeah, I've, so I've already you found it. You already found it, yeah. It's actually very, very good. Um, it deals with the idea, you know, the idea we we're just talking about the idea of, you know, do you go out to get vengeance? Um, yeah, he is young in this. Holy yeah, he's very young in this. So yeah, it just caught me by surprise because I looked at it and I was looking through this box and I'm like, wow, this looks interesting. It sounds interesting. I like the cast and Stanley Ridges, who I really like is, uh, is one of the, uh, one of the monsters. I didn't know he was married to Paul Garner either. I didn't well, know he was married had... to Paul Yeah, oh, no, 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 he, yeah. He was married to Paul. I got it. I, I thought for a second you said she was in it. I was like, I didn't see her. Um, but yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Did not expect to. I thought it was just going to be some. Uh, it's based on a Pulitzer Prize winning play, which I, I you know, I didn't know of. Um, but I, I expected it to just be like you know a trashy little crime movie from the '30s, and yep. it's way, way more than that. A lot more I than love I expected. That stuff. I, every you haven't steered me wrong yet on the oldies. It's, stuff. it's I, a I usually end up loving it. It's just a hidden gem that if I didn't have this 50 movie box set, I wouldn't know about. What 50 movie box? What, what, what box um, set you got? The, uh, the, um, I think this one was called Action Classics. It was like a, I think I picked it up for like five bucks or something on Amazon. Oh, shit. And it has 50 movies a, on it. That's a fine. God. Yeah, they, a lot of times those, they, they, you know, they're they're just cheap public domain movies just repackaged together. And I love those box sets because you do find gems like this one. Like even looking yeah. right now, I have. 50 movies, chilling classics, sci-fi invasion, 50 movies, a hundred family favorites. And like, I love all these box sets. Cause you always find like these little gems and they're cheap. I mean, the quality is not that great on the, you know, the video. Oh, it, yeah. Nobody's going to restore a movie that they, that, you know, is in no, public. Domain. They're not, they're but not. I really, really enjoyed it. And I, I was surprised that I did. Um, but yeah, basically that was my week. I can't think of anything else aside from the, you know, the movies we're going to discuss in a minute. So I guess uh, on that note, uh, let's get to it. Okay. A Christmas Horror Story is a 2015 Canadian anthology horror film directed by Grant Harvey, Stephen Hoban, and Brett Sullivan. It premiered on July 20th, 2015 at the Fantasia International Film Festival, had a limited theatrical release on October 2nd, 2015, along with a VOD release. The film is a series of interwoven stories tied together by a framework story featuring William Shatner as a radio DJ um, and I guess what we'll do now is we'll cut to the trailer and uh, we'll be right back with uh, Christmas Horror Story. 
Christmas. Christmas. The most magical time of year. Now tell me we will find the perfect Christmas tree. It's Christmas. Christmas is all about forgiveness and family and tradition. Santa, lots of kids are depending on tonight going off without a hit. But in Bailey Downs this Christmas, it's different. Exactly one year ago, last Christmas Eve, the school was the scene of an unimaginable crime. And you still want to go down there just for some stupid school assignment? I ditched any door in the school. This is Krampus, right? What's a Krampus? He's like an anti-Santa Claus, a demon who punishes the naughty. He whips them and chains them up, stuff like that. That's fun. It's the elves. I fear they may all become infected. Did it all come to this? We're trapped down here, and there's a psychopath on our loose. Bring the changeling back to the forest. That ain't his son. Did you not see what he did? The atmosphere here in Bailey Downs is truly grim this holiday season. And welcome back to Literary License. We are discussing a Christmas horror story from 2015. And starting with you, Keith, uh, I know you you were a huge fan of this movie, so let's start out on a positive note. Yeah, um, I think Christmas Horror Story is one of it, To me, it's kind of like the next step from Trick or Treat that we'd covered earlier. Because uh, yeah. of, the, of the interwoven story, but a lot of the people who worked on Trick or Treat worked on this movie, apparently. Um. When I first saw this movie, I got really excited when this came out. And I was like, you know, I, I mean, I didn't know anything about it, but it's one of those movies I watched. It's like, oh, this looks interesting. Watched it, loved it. Um, yeah. I was managing, I owned a um, literary um, a literary agency at that time where we published, you know, that we we represented authors. And one of our authors had a podcast. So basically I got in touch with everyone who did this movie and they, they interviewed them. So I got the talk, you know, I talked to them before. I, I passed them over to this this before we had our podcast and they were really they were such lovely guys and stuff like this and what i like about this movie and this is what's very odd is that this has three different directors yeah but you would not know that because they all they all interlock so brilliantly and the thing is also like four different stories it should be like a christmas story yeah. one one director did two stories the other directors did one story each so what right. they did, they, they all went off and just did their own thing. And then they all then all three directors got together and go, okay, now we're gonna edit this and this is how we're gonna interlock it. And I thought, and the thing is, you watch it and it just it's just seamless. You would not know that there's all these different things. I, I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't know. Well this and the and the music, I mean the opening, I mean the opening credit songs with the Carol of the Bells. You know, yeah, it's Christmas. Dude. It's like, and then it just gets darker and darker. And I love the arrangements and the music. And you know, that's and that was a friend of theirs who did all that. So it's kind of like, and um, and are and the that, adults just twits in this? Do you think they are? The no, the thing, the thing is, that <laughs> what's 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 fascinating about this is that though trick or treat, they are interconnected. 
this right. movie they're very interconnected because you know the fam the family the Krumpus family is William Shatner's children, right? That's his daughter. So you got that, and then you got you know. But if you look at them, they're all connected. You know, every single thing's connected. Like you know the Santa Claus shooting up is the, you know the guy yeah. at the radio store. You know the radio shop. This Krampus was rather yeah. disturbing, wasn't he? <laughs> was a yeah, he was um, he was beautiful. I thought I thought to be honest, this Krampus, he was beautiful but scary. He was beautiful, and there was something very striking and sexual about him as well. But yeah, yeah. that's what I thought. He was uh -huh. a buff Krampus. What the fuck? I'm not supposed to be sexually attracted to Krampus. What the hell's going <laughs> on here? You know, you know the guy he played Krampus is six foot nine. That that makes sense. He's huge. Yeah, for real in real life. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I was looking him up, sort of thing. And another thing that I also like about this is that a lot of it is practical effects, and they they went to, and the only time that you see CGI is when they go to, um, the North Pole, and it because because the reason why they use the CGI when they go to the North Pole because it's fantasy that's not really going on. Yeah, and that's what and I love. That that story. That's the one that kept jarring me out of it though the uh the Santa because it just oh. felt like tonally like that felt like out of place well, well, the other stories felt felt you know more serious in tone that one just tonally with him just killing the zombie elves just felt like completely out there well, and then and then you get to the reality <laughs> and particularly those zombie elves were children that he was axing to death I know yeah it turns very very dark in the end and, that, and that's yeah. and that's why it's like because at first I thought I was like, what's this Santa Claus thing going on there? But but by the time you get to the end of it, to be honest, that is probably the most horrifying story of them all when you think about it. <laughs> Which one? Yeah, yeah. with the, the twist, the, the cramp, the the Santa Claus one. Yeah. Because you find out later that basically when he went there, those elves that he thought were elves, right, he was massacring children with, oh, yeah. with, with axes. So you know, so so when those so when those ones so when you see those owls basically like you know crying for their lives, please don't kill right. me. They're chill, and then it, then it gives you a quick flash of a child. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. He was the department store Santa Claus so, there for a minute. Can you so, imagine losing your shit like that and just freaking massacring everybody? I, I mean, to be honest, more more violence happens over the Christmas period, and more yeah. more. And more people murder their families over Christmas. And they don't call it the silly season for stuff. nothing. Yeah. So that's why, you know, so that's why, so, you know, so that's why in a way I can, I kind of defend the Christmas thing because when you find out what the reality is, that's even scarier that someone in their mind, they're seeing something that's not there. And this is what's creating this thing because of, because his wife left him. Yeah. Yeah. All down to his wife leaving him. And that was such a twist though. <laughs> To, to me, it's not. It, it, it's it's not so much that I. Um, it's just until that very end, it's just a tonal shift from everything else that's going yeah. on. And it's that, like, why is why is this here? I thought the same way. It's like, why is this here? Yeah, it, it, it's it's so, it's so jarring because it goes from, you know, the um, the oh, and speaking of the connection, the you know the the family with the child that comes out of the tree. That's the mm. uh, the sheriff at the beginning of the movie. Oh, yeah. That's a, crime scene that happened at the school so yeah. you go from that which has this you know you 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 have this very serious somber tone of you know this uh this police officer or sheriff whatever whatever he is 
who clearly has had uh, issues with um, abusing his family in the past and, and, and alcoholism. And you, you go from that and you go from him pulling off the belt about to beat his child, the mother stepping in and stopping him to Santa Claus is putting an ax in an elf's head. In an elf's yeah. head. <laughs> what the hell is going on? So yeah. it's There's just, this weird it, allegory about, it also seems like this weird allegory about bad parenting, about bad parents. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing but, was about these know, bad parents. That, that kind of community in that kind of small town if you're not like watching your kids and making sure that they're doing the right thing they're gonna fall off into doing you know really horrible shit like even the the little kid that drops the krampus doll you're like wow that's that's such a horrible thing to happen to a child over over dropping a figure and then you you know yeah. the sister kind of dialogue that apparently he tortures and kills animals you wonder why all our pets are dead and the parents just apparently never paid attention to it or maybe just turned a blind eye to it yeah. Which you know, I've I've known parents like that over the years that you know, growing up, where it was like, no, your kid's a sociopath, not my child. Yeah. My child, yeah. child just well, murdered a stray cat you, in the street. You want to see something interesting? Is if you ever get time, watch the TED talk with the mother from when the Columbine boys. Oh, I didn't know she had a TED talk. No talking shit. about some, talking about someone who's very disillusioned. Oh, you know, we thought it was okay for him to have guns, and, she, and she's like, and this kind of thing is, is like, I'm not saying that she's at fault, but when you hear, I didn't think that she was at fault. I thought, you know, okay, you know, I think she's part of part of it, but I don't think she's at fault. But by the time she starts stop, stops talking, by the time she starts talking, by the time you watch this TED talk. And she's making these excuses, and it's a bit like that. And you're kind of going, you know what I mean? It's kind of, and it's like you know, as soon as like she, you know, she she's making these excuses for everything that he did up until that point, and then after that point, she made excuses because of this, this, and this, and this. But it just kind of, but you know, but it sound, at the end of the day, it does sound like someone who wasn't that involved in her child's life, and that every time they got in trouble, they made excuses for her. You know, it's like, oh, you know, oh, you know, like if the kid, like, you know, I don't know, hits someone over the head with a book, instead of, like, you know, punishing the kid, well, you know, it's because, you know, the other girl looked at him funny. You know, it's that kind of thing, and that's, what, that's what's quite funny about this, is because it's kind of like, you know, they make excuses. Oh, you know, but he's our little boy. Well, you know, it's like, well, you know, he's been killing animals. Well, you know, he's just misunderstood or, you know, oh, maybe we need to talk to him. You know, it's that kind of thing. So, it's kind of, and I, and I know parents are like this at the moment. I have a friend. I don't, I won't mention, mention her at the moment, but she has two sons. And this thing is, is they've done some very questionable things and she's still, she'll condemn them, but then she'll stick up for them. So it's that kind of a weird dichotomy situation. So I uh, one of my one of my closest friends in high school, his his mom was every time uh, something went wrong, he'd be like, "No, not my son, not my son. That's not my son. My son wouldn't do that." I'm like, he's calling my house at two in the morning, yelling because he th he thinks that this girl he had a crush on is at my house. Like, not my son. I'm like. Look, yeah. it's his voice. It's your phone number. He's just misunderstood. He's psychotic. Yeah. <laughs> but it's complicated because it's complicated because you also have society at the moment that's changing, and, and in school, like parents are not allowed to 
like, I don't know, slap the child anymore because that's abuse. And I'm like, well, well, back in the days, at least I'm talking about my experience in Italy, we were getting beaten up by parents or relatives or whatever for education. I mean, I- I'm exaggerating it, but ah, we know. like a slap in the face on the bum for educational reasons that was normal these days. Oh, my God, you're not even allowed to say anything. Well, those little punks get away with everything now. You're not allowed to touch us. Well, I, mean, I know a lot of educators. I mean, the 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 things in a little bit of perspective, though. I mean, if you look at the craze, yeah, which were this, and you, and you like, and you look at the things like the mother, my sons, my sons, and like then you know these guys are like killed. They're mafia. They're like Eastland mafia here in the UK, and they're you know. They were murdering people, and the police would come and like pick them up, and the mother would be like, "Not my sons." And even now, like, then she's hiding, she's hiding the right. guns and everything. She's hiding all the murder weapons. That's like, oh, not my sons. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I forgot about this. So you're like, hmm, okay. Well, what'd y'all think about the 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 little boy that they go out and get the tree? Um, and well, I mean, that's that story. story. They were the two that you know. Like you, like you know, when you've seen enough of these movies, because you know that there's going to be like some form of morality, uh, you know, out there. You you knew that they were going to be two of the survivors yeah. from from this whole thing, right? Because you know they're they're good people who really didn't, you know, the the mother and son are good people who really didn't do anything wrong. Didn't you want to kill a... that little changeling fuck though? <laughs> <laughs> Just like I did. Like a little bastard. Yeah, <laughs> like, you, start, you start thinking. You start thinking that, don't you? Before you realize that, you know, the thing, like at the very beginning, before you realize that, you know, that there is a change in there. But at the beginning, you're like, because it, because you don't spend a lot of time with the that 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 him as a kid as a normal kid. You got him, and he's just kind of quiet, and he's got an asthma thing, and that's about it. So right. because because he's like in the because the thing is, you see him in the back of the car. And then, and, then, and all you get basic is the mother go, oh, no, we really shouldn't go into the field because right. there's no tree. Come on, we're going to cut out a tree. And you got like the little boy like circling behind. The father goes, come on, we're going to cut our own tree. And so he doesn't say anything. So so by the time he does come back, it's really kind of hard to know anything did happen to him. I mean, we, we surmise that something happened, but there's not, we don't, we, we don't, because we don't spend any time with him, we don't really get that, that personality change, I think. That's yeah. Really, see from the beginning. Well, he does speak like the first thing that I noticed mm. when he came out of the tree was okay, he's very, very quiet. Mm. By the time it's been like 12 hours since your kid has said anything, you know, maybe there's something that, wrong, there's something wrong here. <laughs> yeah, I would notice if my child was not speaking or interacting, suddenly not hours. saying anything and just giving you a blank expression, you know, maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, he could put away a bet plate of spaghetti though. He definitely can. Uh, or two two certain to us that's that's his second serving or third serving. Wasn't he said? being a little perverted towards the mom too there for a bit? The changeling was, yeah, not the actual <laughs> son. <laughs> not the actual son. That's how I was saying the changeling was, not the son, not the actual son. That's how it started. <laughs> um yeah, well she when she was asleep, uh, she was definitely enjoying what was going on under there and that's <laughs> true. Maybe the maybe the husband wasn't enough. Nothing like having a little demon spawn from a freaking tree out in the middle of nowhere, freaking trying to get in your pants while you're trying to sleep. <laughs> but the way the father was killed, Jesus Christ! I didn't expect that. I, uh, <laughs> it was yeah. like, okay. If, and when she realized, oh my god, this will be okay. <laughs> there's something in that story. It's going to be the alcoholic, abusive father. 
of course. Just because moralistically, you know, when, when you're when you're doing this thing, that's that's where you're gonna go. Uh, in, Why in the, the whole, hell would you want to go cut a tree down in the middle of East Bumfuck? I have never understood. Well, this whole that. town's in the middle of East Bumfuck. So. Uh, <laughs> like I, I, have, I have to admit, every time we had a real Christmas tree, we went out in somebody's field. I don't know. I don't know if we had permission or not, but I know it was always in the dead of night, and we always put it in the back of the car and drove off quickly. Yeah, we did that. Grab <laughs> <laughs> <Okay, so, laughs> a couple I'm, of bales of hay too. Yeah, I'm assuming that you know if you're doing something in the middle of the night. Probably we probably didn't have permission, but I don't know what we did. Usually not. Yeah. Um, but, um, I did wonder about. Um, I mean, the thing is, is and maybe because normally if the father's abusive for whatever for whatever reason, then he gets he's kind of his competence. But I think the problem here that I had is because. I think I'm under the impression that he became an alcoholic after seeing the murders of the year earlier. With Maybe they didn't really, yeah, they didn't, they really, didn't really express that. Them. Yeah, and if that's the case, then it's kind of like. It's kind of good, brings a different meaning of a, a maybe going over the top with your child situation. Right, and the thing but... is, is, and I can understand the belt situation because, I mean, the kid did stab him with a fork. <laughs> Wait, but was this... saying that little fuck. I Wait, was this before, lights wait a minute. Was this before or after? It was after. After he stepped on the After the changeling. Yeah, because he was already in bed. Yeah, because he was already in bed and he thinks he... Uh, yeah. He, oh, he broke all the Christmas presents and something. Yeah. And then he breaks all the kids. So in a way, I can understand the belt. So and then the mom keeps sticking up for the little bastard. <laughs> it's like the dad knows there's something wrong. Of course, mom. And I have to then say, because the mom kept sticking up for him, I couldn't quite understand why she was. I, 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 don't, I don't think the dad knew something was up, though. I, I think no, he, I he knew something was up. Not the kid was acting up. I don't think he, he was I think fully he knew aware. Stuff was up. I, I don't think I, th I think probably the mother might have understood because obviously mothers can feel and then but she was thinking I was like I, I, you know from my experience this is my son the father was oblivious completely oblivious was like oh why is he acting like that so I'm gonna beat well, him up I think if the father was I I think if the father was a big a big person in the police I, he probably wasn't home a lot yeah as well yeah, well he he does say at the beginning. Well, after they first get back with the tree, he does say, "We're gonna." Hey, oh, I, I'm sorry. Last year, I wasn't around much at Christmas. This yeah. year, we're gonna have fun, though. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. also the previous year, what happened on Christmas was kids were massacred in the school and crucified. So, yeah, yeah. I kind of understand why you weren't home. I mean, you probably yeah. don't want to you don't, don't want to tell your you know seven or eight year old that, but. But being, I mean, having friends. I mean, having friends whose parents were in the police force. They work long hours and very yeah. disruptive hours, and you know they, they, you know, they're not home when you, you know, they're going to work as you're coming home from school. So, I mean, so I would think that would probably be the norm anyway, even even there wasn't a murder situation. Yeah. So, so that's why I'm kind of thinking it's like, so in that case, he probably wouldn't know the ins and out, the little in, in you know, little quirk, different personality quirks that were going on inside your son. Yeah, More probably not. 
Because the mom comes across as quite overprotective of the son. Well, well, you know, I don't know. As a mother, I know my when I was a kid, when I was younger, and my kids were little. I knew their smell. I had they had a certain scent, you know, soap, clothing, whatever. And you just know when somebody is not your child. I'm sorry. I would know if that little dillweed was my child or not. If I brought him home and he was acting like that, you know, it's just like she she, she, acts, she acts like she has no fucking. What do you call it? Uh, instinct. Anything. Intuitive. I, I mean, I have to sit there and say that when I was growing up. My mother knew me so well that she knew I was going to do something wrong before I actually did it. So <laughs> my yeah, if I, I did something imagine. wrong, my mom knew immediately the moment I walked in the door. She's like, "What? What is wrong with you? Right? What did you do?" Yeah. Well, your mother was Italian. They got that friggin' radar shit going on. Let me tell you. Oh yeah. I got yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and you, and you know it's going to be really bad when they mention when they say your whole name, not just your first name. <laughs> Yeah, the middle name, the last name, yeah. your confirmation name. Yeah. <laughs> Hanging out with one of my cousins once, and I don't remember what I did, but it pissed my mom off to such a degree. But I think she was like cooking or something, so she couldn't like get to me because she couldn't like get away from the stove. So she took off her shoe and smacked my cousin in the back of the head for it. She's like, "That was meant for you." <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck did I do? These are common things like throwing oh, slippers or, yeah. or, 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 or using the wooden spoon. What you, or... spoon but I think she was using the wooden spoon to cook at the moment. Yeah. That was definitely not going to happen. Oh. What about the driving mode where they can reach back and extend their oh, arms yes. and her feet <laughs> and still drive? <laughs> oh, such violence. Such good memories. <laughs> hey, hey, we turned out okay. I have to, you know, in all, in all fairness, I have to sit there and say that every time I got smacked, like, like I really deserved it. So yeah, same here. I, I mean, I mean, I think one of the reasons, why, I think the one of the reasons why I never had kids because I would be afraid to have one that was like me. <laughs> I don't want. To I wouldn't want your children that they. Turn <laughs> yeah, my like my parents sad. used to warn me, like, you know what you do to me, your kids are going to do to you. I'm like, oh, yeah. Hold up. <laughs> Time to think about this. Time to rethink this whole strategy. Yeah, I would. So I would, wait, need, to, I would need to have a child too? with my mouth on it. <laughs> I would be able to do it. <laughs> I remember once asking her, "Does that mean you were an asshole too?" Yeah. Oh, I was. Were I'm, you acting asking if Keith was ever an asshole? Hey, no, 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 no. I mean, my I, I asked my parents that because they were like, you know, what you do to us, your kids are going to do to you. And I'm like, does that mean you were assholes? Oh yeah, parents? the curse. Yeah, the curse. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have children someday, just like you. Well, I, I, th I think I think that's true because um, apparently I am just like my father, sense of humor and everything, and the smart ass mouth comes from my dad. Must have been a dad thing. That's where I get my sarcasm. My mother's sane. <laughs> Me and my father are assholes. <laughs> my father and I had different types of sense of humor, but he was, you know, he he was the guy who would fuck around at like a at like a gathering he would be the guy who would who would like do something goofy to to make everybody laugh and i'm kind of like that now so yeah yeah that's a good quality though but the uh, i guess the story we're kind of neglecting here is the aftermath of what happened at the school with the kids a year later going into where the murders took place i feel like that's the only story we haven't talked about yet no probably because uh, it's the toughest <laughs> 
it's kind of an odd thing because I mean, I, I understand uh, being a, a convent and then women going there to have their babies because that, right. I mean, that's, that's normal. That happened. I that mean, happened a lot back in the day. Well, sometimes it still happens today. In Ireland, it still happens today sometimes. Well, um, the kids broke in to do the double murder, right? Correct my but, memory, certainly. Yeah. Well, no, they didn't do a double murder. What happened is, is the they got taken over by the woman who gave birth and whatnot. So I'm not... Right. What, and here's where I get a bit confused. Well, they broke into the high school. Well, they, yeah, they broke into the high school, but the thing is, the, the thing that killed the, the original kids is the spirit that's underneath, that's in there, that was the mother who gave birth on Christmas Day. Right. And, they, and so what did the nuns do with the baby? Was it something, was there something unholy that went on with the baby? Or did she have an unholy not, child? Or? I don't think they really explained it, but I mean. I, I can don't imagine. know. I thought I was going to ask you. I thought maybe I got up and went to pee or something. I got a bit <laughs> confused because first of all, first of all, you have, you have, um, acts, um, acts, Act two, the uh, um, for unto us the child is born. Right, so you have that written on the wall, and then you got this. Then you got the seductiveness. So obviously, I mean, what happened the year before? We're kind of seeing being repeated, but with three instead of the two. So obviously that happened, uh, but I wasn't quite sure what the spirit's aim was because normally a spirit has an aim for whatever it may be right. to punish to punish whatever or something like this. But what we have here, which amazingly enough, is that we got a guy who has the girlfriend who's he's in love with his girlfriend and she tries to come on to him and he says, no, I'm with somebody. So we don't have this horror, you know, premarital right. sex thing that though they need to be punished or whatever like that. So we don't have yeah. that. And then we got the other boy who's quite innocent, really. And the only I, person who's probably guilty is probably the girl who's a bit too pushy, really, but, which is not a bad thing. But, you know, I guess if you're looking at a morality play situation, maybe she's too pushy and that she gets them caught up in the situation. But I don't understand why they need to be punished and what the spirit was trying to do here. I like the story. The whole, like, it seems the spirit's motive is to impregnate. Like, mm. is that it? Just yeah. Give but then to impregnate to have what exactly? Yeah, there's never a baby. Kind of, there's never, yeah, there's never a baby at the end of it. There's no, I mean, she, she gets the pregnant and stuff like that, but just so she can go through a miscarriage, maybe. <laughs> oh, I got confused. And yeah, I, 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 I don't this one. Yeah, this story wasn't that as tight as the other. I mean, I like, but the thing is, I really I like, like it, it because but... I'm always intrigued. It always intrigues me. I can't stop watching it. And I'm really intrigued by it. And I love the way it's filmed and everything like that. But when I start it's to think about film. it, I get, I get a bit cloudy. Yeah. You start to, it starts to fall apart when you start to actually, actually think about it. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange what about one. The, the family that goes to see the dying relative, you know? Well, I can understand that because basically we have four, we have four sinners. Part of the right. family. Confess you everything. The, you got the father who's been embezzling. The mother who... I can't exactly well, Why remember. did they decide to start spilling the, their guts? Is what no, basically, basically what... Well, you know, basically what's what's happening is is like you got this family and they're living high on the hog and pretending that they're like this... Well, you know, it's a bit like 
having a well-to-do family and then it's like they right. have all these secrets but outwardly they're like you know living showing the world that they're you know they're like an instagram family it's like oh we're showing our best lives but yeah. god knows what's going on behind good the adjective instagram but, um, but then you know but then when you find you know and then you go oh, we're gonna go see our aunt and then as you as they go see their aunt but the main reason why they're gonna go see this aunt basically is try to get money off her because basically he's embezzled people he's done something wrong then you find that right. she's a klepto and then you find out that he's the son's killing animals and and it seems like the wife's not 100 pure herself so yeah, they know, all have a sin to cover and if you look at this if you look at krampus krampus only he only um punishes the guilty yeah and 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 if you think of the girl ends up um you know the the teenage girl. She must be the one with the lesson. So God knows what the mother's been up to. Yeah. Situation. So would you say that most of this is cautionary tale? I think. Well, Krampus is always a cautionary tale it's as Krampus. well. I you mean, know. horror anthologies. I think you often find too. Like just the subgenre of movies, whether it's you know, you we'll, we'll, we'll talk about uh, you know the cautionary tales in the next movie too. Whether you talk about this movie or Dead of Night or Tales from the Hood, yeah, I love Tales from the Hood. Or even even if you look at anthology TV series, Alfred Hitchcock presents Twilight Zone, um, Outer Limits, The Hitchhiker from HBO back in the eighties. Oh God, I forgot yeah. about that one. I loved that show. Yeah. Tales oh from the Hood. Oh my God, I totally TV forgot series. about that. I wonder if it's still yeah. on somewhere. Tales of the Unexpected, Hammer Tales House of Horror. You know that yeah, the, the the anthology format has always been used to to tell hev heavy morality tales. Mm. So, you know, and then so it makes sense that the anthology film would carry forward. But so I mean, I, but I really I really liked the I really liked the Krampus story in this one though. I liked it because it, I really love the look of Krampus in this movie. I, I do too. I do too. See the makeup effects. Is a badass. Oh my god, it's fantastic. He just looks scary, but sensual and just fucking weird. Krampus. I mean, when compared to Krampus the movie, that Krampus as opposed to this Krampus, you know? And I like how it's, it's... And I also like that it's the house... Not, not the housekeeper, but the manservant. It's him. Manservant? And I, and because the thing is, because that guy, I can't remember his name, but he is in all the he's in the most iconic movies. He's like Cube and all these Canadian horror movies, and he appears and is like, yeah, I mean he he's one of the he's, he's like to be honest, he's like a I mean he's a character horror actor for our time basically. He does appear all the time. He's in a lot of things. I can't remember what his name is, um, but I just love him, and it's like to see him there, and they find out it's like oh, okay, because he just always has these like really small parts, but he always just comes up and appears and I can't remember his name. His name is um Julian Richens. Julian Richens. I gotta look him up. That's gonna bug me. Julian Richards has done um War of the Worlds, Cube, uh Supernatural. He was in sixth, seventh, ninth, and tenth season. He played Death. Oh him. Okay, yeah, him. Okay. He's, yeah, he's three, he's three fingers and wrong turn. He's okay. excellent. Shoot him up. I mean, he just the original wrong turn, not that lameo friggin' redo that they did. Uh, is there a wrong turn? Yeah. Oh, he's in Bo is afraid too. 
Yeah. Oh, he's in some Cronenberg movies because, of course, he is. He's Canadian. Yeah. But he just appears. I mean, he just appears out of nowhere. And every time he appears, I mean, he's always like a small part, but he's just one of these people when he appears. He's kind of like that uh, the horror actor who just appears in like all these like strange horror films, which I always love. Urban Legend, he's the weird janitor in that. And, and of course, Cube, yeah. he's the first guy who gets killed in Cube, the one who gets um diced. So he is, he's just got that look about him, though. Mm. Uh, so, Davide, what are your thoughts? You've been kind of quiet through this one. Um, I quite liked the story, to be honest. Really liked it. Plus, can say that it's one of my favorite Christmas movie. Christmas movie. <laughs> so, um, it, it brought me quite a lot of joy, to be honest. It's a, a different type of um spin. You should watch Black Christmas then. Oh, yes. Let me run every year. Every year, I make I make my 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 annual post that the best. Bob Clark Christmas movie is the one they don't show on TV for 24 hours. <laughs> Which one? Black Christmas. Yeah. The, the one with uh, the old Black Christmas. Yeah. 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 The best Bob Clark Christmas movie is the one they don't show on TV ever because it's worlds better than a Christmas story. Yeah, but the for Christmas stories, I mean, they're like the same boring hypocrite message that nobody cares about, <laughs> nobody listens to. So when it's about these cautionary tales, much better message. It's more interesting. It's a different twist right. on the like, oh, be careful because blah 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 blah. It's I I, I like the, the approach about the teaching on the life lessons rather than just like oh you need to be good because Santa blah blah blah. Yes, that's fine. When I was a kid, that worked. But now that we grow up, we we want to see something that's more something that, that can be applied in real life much more. At least that's the way I see it. But um, I, I found it hilarious the way they twisted the story and mixed it. Obviously, the last story was incredible. It, it, I, I felt too that it was a bit out of place. And then the final twist was like, okay, that's incredible. My my favorite story was the ch changeling uh, one with the kid. Yeah, that was my favorite part. That and, was then I loved, and I loved, loved, loved the way that um, uh, um, Auntie Edda was killed. Basically, the twist of the I feel oh, sorry for the husbands, though. Everybody always thinks they're douche canoes, and it's the mother that's really fucking up half the time. Yeah, but... Oh, yeah, sorry. And um, I, Yeah, I would say that this is, like, um, probably something to... Uh, other people might disagree, because it's not typical to watch horror on Christmas, but I would recommend it much more to watch it on Christmas with your family, because at least you get a better message <laughs> than, the, than the hypocrite message we get on Christmas. But that's my view. So, yeah. you know, I think what I find quite funny about Christmas horror stories that it came out in 2015, and horror Christmas movies were kind of rare. But yeah, after this, if you notice that we get like five or six now a year now of horror Christmas movies coming out. But what now. was last year? What was Violent Christmas or whatever? Yeah, Violent Christmas. We got the um one about the kid, you know, the kid who um being. Baby. I love Violent Christmas. Murderer. I can't remember that, but I mean, we're, 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 we get about four to five. At I least mean, three or four. At least three or four. Yeah, and this and all started like like after this movie came out. So I'm kind of, it's kind of wondering, it's like, it's because now it's like... I'm trying to remember, well, we do have the next one we're going to do. That was before, and that's a scary horror, you know? Yeah, no, but I mean, what, what I'm saying is, like, we used to get, like, these weird Christmas horror movies, but they'd be, like, years apart. Yeah. You know, if, if, you, if you, you know, if you go through, like, Christmas horror movies... You know, 
Black Christmas, then he wouldn't get another one for like six, seven years, and then it'd be like another one, and then another, you know, and even even I mean, like in the eighties, I mean, it's you get them, but then it'd be like three or four years before you get another one or something. Now we get quite a few every year, so it's like, I mean, this year alone, there's four out. Of them, I've heard it's a wonderful knife is the best one. Yeah, I liked it's wonderful knife. It's good film. Uh, but yeah, you know, in the eighties, you had you had a few Santa slashers. Yeah, you, uh, you know, obviously, Silent Night, Deadly Night's the big one that became a franchise. Yeah, and that also became like one of the ones that parents were picketing about and stuff like that. And that's well. what made it a hit, incidentally, because when you do that, that's what you know. That's what's going to make your movie a hit is the 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 controversy. Um, it was uh the the movie poster, which was uh a chimney with Santa's hand reaching out, uh, you know, holding an axe. So yeah, yeah that, that that was gonna cause a stir, and the biggest among them was Mickey Rooney going, "Oh, this is a desecration of Christmas. This is terrible." And then Silent Night, Deadly Night Five, Mickey Rooney's the lead. <laughs> so much for that moral outrage. Moral outrage it? only goes so far when you need a paycheck. But I kind of wondering also about the Mickey Rooney thing because if you if you look into it a little bit longer, it's the same year. That on TV he was voicing Santa for a year without a Santa Claus. <laughs> for Ryan and Bass. I think it's around the same time. What oh, movie is that? A year without a Santa Claus, the Rankin Bass Christmas special. Oh, okay. God, I used to cry when they did the blue Christmas part in that. As a mm. kid, they used to make me ball my eyes out. <laughs> yeah. I think it's around the same time, or maybe he was filming it, but I think I think I have to like um, I got a feeling it might be 1974, I guess, is the year without Santa Claus. Oh, okay, so I yeah, remember which... that. Now, I haven't seen that eons. Oh, my God. Is that the one that has the um, the snow miser and heat miser? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I remember that now. And Shirley Booth is, is narrated by Shirley Booth. Oh, yeah. no, that's, that's right. That's a great one. And the voice got, every, every year at Target, I see the box set, and every year I'm like, I should buy the box set, and every year I don't pick it up. You should buy it. I have the Rankin um, Bass Christmas box set. Rudolph yeah, I... Rudolph looks fantastic. I mean, the thing is, and Rudolph looks great. Um, I mean, I, I'm, Grinch looks good and stuff like that anyway, because it's animation. Well, oh, the Grinch I have on Blu-ray. Yeah, no, that's, that's going to look good anyway, because that's animation. So, But um, Rudolph looks fantastic. It's cleared up, and it's like, it looks really pristine. And uh, if, if you buy the Grinch Blu-ray, it also has the Grinch Halloween special from the seventies, which isn't nearly as good, but it's mm. it's cool just to have it. Yeah, Karloff was dead by then. We weren't getting the Karloff narration. Yeah, I have all the Rankin. I got. I've been collecting all the Rankin Bass ones. I mean, some of them are not great. I mean, the little drummer boys like, and there are some of them that are like downright barbaric. Nestor the long-eared donkey. I like Nestor. I love that one. That, yeah, that was one of them. I know, but I mean, what the those the, the evil men in Nestor are like really frightening. Drummer boy is kind of like, like watching That's just bizarre puppetry or stop animation. Well, if you didn't have Rudolph, you wouldn't have Nightmare Before Christmas. No, that's true. But they're just bizarre-looking creatures, like the guy who sells the little drummer boy or tries to whatever. That's what I mean. Sells the, the, he's creepy. He just exudes creepo. What about, <laughs> like, the, what about, the, gay, about, what about the gay elf who wants to be a, who wants to be a dentist in Rudolph? <laughs> <I know. laughs> That's 
that's right. That's all he wants to do. He takes out all the bumbles teeth. <laughs> he's really effeminate, and he's, and he's the only out that has like this effeminate hairstyle. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe he was. Maybe he was into alternative lifestyles, Keith. You know. It's true. I mean, we're just a couple of misfits. I'm not but a nitwit. <laughs> But they I, were I drink unwanted because I nobody liked their Christmas. ass. Every Christmas, I have my, you know, I do my Black Christmas, my Christmas horror story, my Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, my original Grinch. I don't like the Jim Carrey Grinch, but I will watch the Filmation um, Fox animated, computer-generated Grinch one. That's I, really cool. I, uh, I have a little confession. I've never seen White Christmas. I'm going to I'm gonna actually watch With it this Bing year. With Crosby? Yeah, I've never seen it. It's good. I prefer to be honest. I prefer, I prefer Holiday Inn. But I'm Holiday Inn is showing. Holiday Inn's showing on uh, all the channels today. You should be able to find Holiday Inn. But the, my my favorite Christmas one is Barbara Stanwyck in uh, Christmas in Connecticut. Christmas in Connecticut is great. I love. I haven't seen that. Yeah, you know, I didn't know it was remade with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Maria yeah. Shriver. He's, I had no, no idea. Shit, I didn't know that. Are you serious? Yeah. I didn't know they remade it with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, it was a TV movie. Wow. I'll pass on that version. I, I think Diane Can <laughs> Cannon's in it as well, I think, isn't she? I think I'll, what is he like? I'll be back. Is he like terminating? <laughs> I didn't realize, you know, another great Christmas movie, The Bishop's Wife. I didn't realize Diane Cannon was married to Cary Grant. She must have been like in her 20s yeah. when he was in the 70s. I remember that movie. Actually, um, there we got there's a mini series out about Cary Grant that has I um, saw I got to check it out. Fantastic with Jason Isaacs playing Cary Grant, and even though Jason Isaacs in your mind's eye doesn't look like Cary Grant, but for some reason he pulls it off. I don't know what he, I mean his voice and everything, and it's based on the it's based on the book that Diane Cannon wrote about her relationship with Cary Grant. Gosh, but, I didn't know they were married either. Now that I'm about it. Yeah, I wasn't married. I wasn't surprised. The only problem, really the, only problem with the, the only problem with the miniseries is that um the only problem with the miniseries is that I kind of wish it went more into Cary Grant's friendships with like Randolph Scott and stuff like that because that was quite interesting, but it's kind of glossed over. So I forget who who put this one out. I know it's one of the streamers. I don't know. It's on ITV in this country because I watched on ITV. So, and I was, I'll take I a look at. It. I want to see it. I saw the trailer for it, and I was like, "Yeah, I gotta, I gotta check this out." I didn't realize it was a miniseries. I thought it was just a movie. No, it's on about five parts. All right, well, I'll check it out. And it, like it's I one said, of those that, ones that basically it was on. That's sure. like, oh, I'll watch one episode to go to bed, and I end up being up to six o'clock watching the whole thing. Ah. Oh, that's like me, Little House on the Prairie. I'm finally on season seven. <laughs> Give a I'm going strong. <laughs> hey, like I told you, the uh, Catherine Lee Scott was in Little House of Fury. She was in an I didn't know she was in an episode. I thought it was like, oh my god, I know that voice. Okay, I think everyone <laughs> passed through her Little House in a Prairie at some point in their career. <laughs> that, I gotta stop little... watching it. I'm starting to get wholesome. <laughs> it's either, you're either in Little House or Love Boat, one or the other. Our <laughs> <laughs> fans, the island. <laughs>
I guess, uh, yeah, I guess what we should do is probably rate this movie, uh, starting with, uh, starting with you, Davide, what do you, um, what would you, uh, how many Krampuses would you give this movie? <laughs> 4.5. The only reason I don't give it five is because I have to give a higher point to the next movie, which we're going to talk about. But oh, I definitely uh, you liked it, okay. Oh, good, he liked it. I loved it, but let's let's get into it later. Well, we'll get to the next movie in a minute. Uh, what about I yourself? I love this one as well. I'll give it five bloody axes. <laughs> five bloody axes. <laughs> All right, uh, Keith. Five. It's not. It's a Christmas staple. Ever since I saw it, it's a Christmas staple. Every year, I have to watch it. So that's solid five. Definitely. I'm probably going to be with Davide here on four, f- around four and a half because, like, it's so good. It's so engrossing. Uh, when I was watching it late last night, uh, I'd gotten home from work. I threw it on. Sean was still up in the living room. He didn't mean to watch it, but he ended up staying and watching the whole thing because he was going to go to bed, but he ended up just watching the whole thing. So it's that good. Uh, the only thing it I'm is not star off is how jarring it felt. I mean, like Keith said, ultimately the story is the darkest of all of them. But it it's is. just how jarring it felt to go from something that is played up more seriously to then go to something that seems to be played up so comedically. And I just, it just, I, I felt like it just kind of pulled me out of the movie whenever it happened. But it is a fantastic movie. It, like, is. it was like viewing because it was uh, on Joe Bob Briggs' uh, Christmas special last year. Was it so, on, was it last year's Christmas special? Yeah, it was last year's Christmas special. And I enjoyed it much more the second time around. Um, yeah. That actually got better for me the second time. Um, so yeah, very, very good movie. I, it seems like it's recommendations all across the board on this one. So I do yeah. think uh, we forgot to mention one thing. This is probably the best thing that William Shatner has ever done. <laughs> I'm gonna leave it that. What's that? This is the best thing William Shatner has done in a long time. I loved William Shatner in this. Don't even goof on him. He was I like, mean, no, I'm, saying, I'm saying this is the best thing he's done in decades. Oh, he. you know what? He had no one to play off of. He was totally there's, alone. There's one thing about that. Yeah, we were watching him. Like, it's clear they had Shatner for one day, one mm-hmm. location, this many setups. We're going to get you in, get you out eight hours, and yeah, uh, here's your here's your check, sir. And but do you know still. that? And, and do you know that he ad libbed every? They didn't give him any lines. They go, "This is what we want. You make it up." I didn't know that. So even even you know, kudos to him. Yeah, he he knocks it out of the park. Is this this radio host who's just mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah, Vicky, we're saying that um, when William Shatner showed up for his um, to do this, right. He wasn't given the script. He was just told to ad lib. Oh, he ad libbed all that. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't read that. I knew he had no one to go off of. He was all by himself, and he's he's one of those actors that does better to bounce stuff off of other people. So he had to totally just. I, I thought he did a fantastic job. I love William Shatner, though. I just see William Shatner. I get excited because he just cracks me up. <laughs> I mean, he's just William Shatner. You know, yeah. he's fantastic. Kirk. He, he's not given much to do but he he knocks it out of the park though makes he it does. interesting he's just so there's just something about his 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 demeanor i guess it's it's sarcastic yet serious i mean i don't even know how to describe it but he just kills me every time he's the magic that holds everything together he but, does he definitely and the thing is they, and i think that's where adrian barbeau's part in tales of halloween's missing because she'd had a more, yes. she had more of a part that would hold it together yeah yeah it wouldn't feel so separated. So, yeah. yeah.
Well, on uh, on that note, let's move on to Tales from the Crypt. Not the TV series, but the movie. Tales from the Crypt is a 1972 British horror film directed by the great Freddie Francis. It is an anthology film consisting of five separate segments based on short stories from the EC comic series Tales from the Crypt. And I do have to add an addendum here. The and all through the house uh, segment was actually from Vault of Horror. Um, so yeah, EC comic series from Tales from the Crypt by Al Feldstein, uh, Johnny Craig, and Bill Gaines. The film was produced by Amicus Productions and filmed at Shepherd and Studios in Surrey, England. In the film, five strangers, Joan Collins, Ian Hendry, Robin Phillips, Richard Green, and Nigel Patrick. Uh, in the film, five strangers in a crypt encounter the mysterious crypt keeper played by the great Sir Ralph Richardson, who makes each person in turn foresee the manner of their death. It is one of several amicus horror anthologies produced during the 1970s. And I'll add this to it. One of the reasons I wanted to do and you know, the amicus anthologies when uh, Keith approached me about the anthology uh, or uh, about uh, what franchise I wanted to do. So that being said, let's cut to the trailer and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Literary License Podcast. We are discussing Tales from the Crypt from 1972. And starting with you, Davide, what are your thoughts? Um, well, the only thing I can say is what a fucking amazing movie. I've never watched anything like this before. I really was really impressed. I loved it. I think it was a piece of art, a piece of cinema, a piece of art, like cinema art. Um, I loved the educational side of it. There was like life lessons in it. Although it's kind of sort of education that's sort of like oh you go to hell if you're bad if that makes sense um but um it, it kind of gave me like the vibes of like you know how humans create hell in the world for all the, our fellow humans and then which is true you know the, the, the story is talk, talked about uh you know really? mar murder 
cheating, psychological abuse, and amorality and greed. Um, but I really, really loved it. So I loved it, this like this five strangers uniting in the same crypt, which by the way, I think it was filmed in the Highgate Cemetery in London. At least I recognized it because I've been I there once. The yes, it was. It was at the beginning, in Highgate. Yes, yes, yes. yes, it was. And I and I loved it. Um, um but and it, it was just incredible. I love I love the story. It's the person I think is beautifully scripted. Although there was this sort of like ending twist, it wasn't really a twist because at the end of each story, the monk kind of like, you kind of knew that there was something going wrong and then the monk is kind of like mocking them all, like, oh, you deserve this sort of thing. <laughs> sort of. I don't know. That's the impression I had, would you think? Well, they do telegraph it early in the film because if you're watching the film, they make it a point at the very beginning before the first story starts that Joan Collins loses her brooch in the crypt. She's like, oh, my brooch, my brooch, it's gone. Oh, yes, somebody, yes, 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 yes. Somebody gets down and finds it, and then you see in the subsequent story that she receives the brooch in that story. So this yeah. has taken place in the past. While he's telling them this is your future, we know now because of the brooch immediately this already happened. So they set it up. They set it up right at the beginning that that, that you're go that this is this is all stuff that's already happened. Man, <laughs> she, kind just, of gets... she just made an easy job too difficult, though. I mean, how hard <laughs> is it to knock off one old bastard and you know do something with him? I mean, I at first I did I was texting Keith, I go, I just don't understand why she's killing him. And then finally I I, I rolled it back and then I saw that the, the insurance, the insurance. Yep. But I mean, who thinks that they're going to get away with that? This is just not plausible. Well, I mean, in her case, body. in her case, she kind of lucked out. She didn't even know that there was a killer that escaped from the asylum in a Santa costume. Yeah, well, so that's she was, true. She was smart enough to put together. Hey, wait a second. <laughs> if I put the body outside with a with a poker in his hand, it could seem like this escaped killer killed him, and then you know, collect on the insurance money. <laughs> But the daughter yeah. opened the door. I mean, well, that was the first thing I thought of. It's like, oh, cool. There's a murderer in the house. He can get the blame for it. This can work. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, you always got to be thinking, you know, when you're in that situation. <laughs> it's funny though when I I came across this story for the first time is I bought a um the DVD of Tales from the Crypt the TV series. And yeah, had, like, the three of them, and it had they they redid this, and I remember like, and I wasn't familiar with. The 1972 version, um, but I remember like watching the original that version of it. It really freaked me out. I mean, it's also Larry Drake as Santa Claus in the in the the, yeah. uh, the remake, which is. But I also, but I, but the thing is, they also. <laughs> oh had my god! 30, yeah, they also had thirty. But they also had thirty minutes to tell a story. We're here. Yeah, this. I was going to say that one's a lot more fleshed out. It's written by Fred Decker, who um made the monster squad and um all that stuff you know uh uh night of the creeps and uh and it's directed by robert zemeckis from back to the future so there's a lot going on in that remake i was surprised to see such a small being done by zemeckis that he you know i guess it was part part of the tv series tales from the crypt was Zemeckis's idea? Zemeckis, Joel oh, I Silver. Didn't know that. I didn't know it was the um, same. Who yeah. else? Joel it Silver. Was, it was produced by and Dante. Didn't Joe Dante? No, not Dante. Um, uh, uh, Walter Hill. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I didn't know. He, I didn't know it was his brainchild. I didn't know but, that. Um, well, they well, they all grew up on the EC it's comics. Not, it's not really his brainchild. Be, to be honest, it's EC comics. Well, yeah, it's yeah. the comics. It's the I know it's, that. It's, but it's I mean, as far as screen. turning it into a television show, mm. but um. 
Well, I mean, this is EC Comics that we just, you know, this movie's EC Comics as well. Right. So, yeah. So I, obviously, they were a fan of this movie as well. So, so I remember seeing that and was like really freaked out by going, this is excellent. So I started, you know, whenever anyone came over, I was like, you have to see this. And then, you know, and then I started doing a bit of research because by that time, the internet started becoming a bit more, so a little easy to get more access. And that's when I got Tales of the Crypt, the, the movie. Because, you know, I've seen Torture Garden. I've seen all the other Amicus ones. For some reason, I never saw Tales of the Crypt. So so then when I saw the Joe Collins one of it, it's like, yeah, I mean, what a... She's so dramatic. And, you know, just her, she's like, oh, oh. and then when he's choking her at the end, it's just like, well, you, know, the interesting you could have thing, choked the shit out of her a little better. That was some serious sissy choking. I'm sorry. Well, I think, I mean, at, at this point, I mean, at this point, you got to think that the way that violence was done in 1972. I know. I'm just, I just, so, so what's the well, word? The thing is, is that Joan Collins's career up until this point was in the toilet. Well, she you had know, this, this is, this, No, because you know, her Hollywood career ended in the 60s. She was she Basically, was still beautiful though in seventy. Oh yeah, but I'm just you know I'm just saying that her 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 career was kind of in the toilet, and then Why? She, did, I don't... she did Tales of the Crypt. Full um, of scandals. Um, what scandals? I know she's full of scandal, but scandal sells. I mean, I mean at well, this point you know, she was she was, she was doing, doing like her Hollywood yeah. career wasn't great. Well, geez, her husband sold her to a freaking Arabian prince for one night. I mean, I feel sorry for her. They used to pimp uh, that. Yeah, but no, but what, what I'm saying is, is that Joan Collins, Joan Collins's career was not fantastic. She went to Hollywood. She She's did beautiful. Some. But they gave her the red dress to do, which flopped. Right. The, uh, the, the remake of The Women, which flopped. If, and it's really hard yeah. to find a successful Joan Collins movie when she first went to Hollywood. And then she went back to... Well, Dynasty was her big thing. Well, well, she went back. She went. She went back to. She went back to England. She did Tales from the Crypt. Right. Bots of bad things, and then what kind of brought her back was she did two films based on her sister's books, The Bitch and the Stud. Oh, that's right. I forgot about Jason. Stories, and then of course that would lead to Dynasty. So at this time, it's like um. You know, she she she. There's an interview about um that Joan Collins interviews her life, and it's like a three part interview. And she she has quite an interesting. And, and, she, life. and she talks about this, and she said that you know when her, you know, you know when her because after this she would end up doing Empire of the Ants. So you forgot uh, about that cheese ball like, movie. I like her '70s B movie run more than more I than do any. Too. I do too. I like I, I like the, uh, the cop thriller she did in Italy. Like she was doing like violent cop movies in Italy. She was doing this. She did another anthology horror movie called mm -hmm. Tales at Witness Madness. That one is not related. I've to never even films, heard of that. But that's the one where she has a husband who leaves her for a tree. I have never seen or heard of that. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, she, also, she she I think she does a tale of the unexpected, or she does does a tale of the unexpected episode. But one thing is, she's had like a mixed match, and when she talked about this. And she's at her agent goes, they want you for this horror movie. <laughs> and, she, and then and she's like, that's where old movie actresses go But she said to him, she goes, don't you think my career's in the toilet enough? Yeah. And he goes, no, there's this, you know, and he, she told, they told who the cast was. And he goes, you know, it only, it only be a week's shoot, but they'll, they'll give you up to the top building for it. And she's like, okay, well I'll do it. And she said that, 
when she did it, she was so surprised that after all these years, she said that people and children come up to her who are now adults and say that they still remember all of all her work past by this, the, all the other stuff that she's done. This is what she, she said. That for some reason, there's just people that whenever she does signings and stuff like this, they'll have like tales of the crypt. I and mean, it's so, so good. They remember something you did 50 years ago, 40 years but, ago. But know? I mean, if you, if you think about it, I mean, the thing about the story and, you know, I was, you know, and you know what led me to this basically was, you know, the, the TV version, but then when I saw her version, it's like, and even though the Zemeckis version's better polished and it has this reality, but this actually eerie. This, I mean, this this still settles in my soul. This version, it's yeah. still there. It's, it's you know, you know him at the, you know her him at just the window. Bringing the Santa in, the little girl. That's well, the disturbing part. The little girl. Yes, Santa in. Part yeah. of it. Part of it is also, I think, that the Santa Claus here versus the Larry Drake version. Right. You could see why a little girl might see this Santa and not think anything of it. The Larry Drake version, you're like, come on. Well, you he's crawling up the, the side of the house, isn't he? Isn't he crawling up the side of the house in the newer version? Or is that... Yeah, like, no, he, well, the newer no, version he fleshed out the story a lot. It's, the, it's the ladder. He goes up the ladder. The ladder. Yeah, I got a book confused. But, I watched both of them because, of course, Joe had to tell me there was another one. So, But the... um. <laughs> The TV version of it has him has the Santa Claus, Larry Drake version, and it's Larry Drake as if, as if he was drawn in an EC comic. Yes, where this one, this version is an old man who's probably been playing Santa all day, and he has that look at a gro at a department store. So he kind of has that. It's not a. It's not that out. It's not that outwardly range look, and I think that's what makes this a bit more unsettling. Mm -hmm. This yeah. is like a friendly old man. Yeah, that's that that's that's what I was saying. I like I could totally get why the little girl would let him in thinking mommy, mommy, it's Santa Claus. And that that's the part that get that gets you with, with this version. Both versions are excellent, by the way. It's a shame that the Tales from the Crypt TV series is kind of disappeared. You gotta you gotta find the DVDs, although um if you look hard enough and all through the house, Vicky did find it on YouTube, so you could definitely get that episode on YouTube. Um, but yeah, both versions are great. I love both versions of the story. I'm surprised it was on YouTube. Joe was like, I can't find it anywhere. Oh, hang on a sec. Oh, well, YouTube. I have the DVD, so I didn't need to find it anywhere. <laughs> so I didn't really look. I was just gonna throw on the DVD regardless. Yeah, I had it on VHS, so I never, I never got it to DVD. But uh, that was a redo then, right? It was yeah, the, 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 the version, the version that you saw on YouTube with uh, uh, Larry Drake and the uh, the, What's her the, name? the, the, the the gay, the gay teacher that gets slashed in, uh, in the shower in Nightmare on Elm Street Two, Marshall Bell. He's he's uh, he's the father. He's the stepfather in this version. Uh, in the uh, in the newer version, I should say, the stepfather uh, in that version. But yeah, I love both versions of it. This, uh, um, and interestingly enough, this story is it is the comic is in a comic book form in EC Comics. Yeah, it is. And um, actually, all these stories here came from a compendium of. EC Comics that Milton Subotsky, the producer, was given as uh, as a gift because he had never uh, read the EC Comics in their original uh, in their original form. So, um, after this day, my favorite comic books were the EC Comic horror books. I have a lot of the uh, the remade versions. Mm. Um, 
uh, that, that were re-released like in the last couple decades when they put out the um, uh, they put out the hardcovers. Like you can get them on Amazon. They're expensive, but I, I have a few of them. They're worth it, though. I think. Absolutely, they they are. You can uh, and uh, you know not only that, but uh, Two Fisted Tales and um, uh, this is uh, the suspense stories and all that stuff. They're all fun. They're all cool. My dad had a couple of these um, horror things. And I, to be honest, I think I still have them somewhere, but I think they're back home in a trunk somewhere. What's I, that? These the tales movies? of the, the tales of the crypt. Um, EC like comic. the old VHS. No, the, the book. No, the uh, oh, the, the books. God, I used to have all that stuff. Just like the Walking Dead comics, it's like I could shoot myself. Nobody's gonna think this is worth money. Gave all that shit away when I was like twenty six. Oh my god! Original Walking Dead comics, even it's just like I still, I think I still have a couple of the kick my, myself my, my, my dad's comic books. I just gotta go when I go back. When I go back now, when I'm going New Mexico, I have to go see if, if I still have them somewhere because I think they're, I think they're in the trunk with my other high school stuff. Probably um, by Moss. <laughs> so the next story was, if I if I remember correctly, this this really is a movie where I I feel like there's three like A level top notch stories and then two stories that are good but don't quite reach the heights right. of the uh, of the three. I don't know how you guys feel about them. The second well, definitely one, definitely one story I, sticks out a whole lot better than the others. So I, th- I, I I'm wondering if we're all going to be in agreement as to what that one is. Because uh, the next one, Reflection of Death, I found was a bit. What's odd. that? Reflection of Death, the next story I found it was a That's bit. That's the next one. I, did, I was trying to find the title. Uh, this is the one that uh, you know the guy's trying to trying to leave his uh, leave his wife and family for for a younger woman and yeah. What else? You know, what's that? What else is new? Another secretary. Yeah, this story, you know, it's 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 fine. It just. Man, it feels like the way this was paced out, it feels like this story was a placeholder <laughs> in a way. And not that there's anything necessarily bad about this one. I just kind of feel like it's just, okay, it's kind of there. One thing about these stories, they all are very brisk. Like they're all they're all only like 10 to 15 minutes long, so they are fast. They uh mm-hmm. they do not uh they do not drag at all because they get to the point right away. Um, and this one does too. You got the guy who's leaving his wife, and uh, he falls asleep in the car with his uh, with his his new woman. He dreams that they get into an accident, um, and when he wakes up, he's you know he's a zombie. He's walking around. He can't understand why everybody's like afraid of him. Mm. Goes to his wife, looks in the window, sees she's with a new man, gets upset. Dude, you're about to leave her. So I don't know what you're upset about. <laughs> Do you Rings know the that, that this is? The story on this, though, this this one particular, Crip Mass. Are we on Crip, Crip Mass? Are no, we doing we're Crip on the Mass? one about the car crash. Okay, well, I, I was just reading ahead for some reason. Did you know that uh, the comics on this one, um, they said that at a Senate hearing on comic books at Juvenile Delinquency in October of 54, that publisher William Gaines could only muster a feeble defense of his lurid products. I didn't know he got in trouble for his comic books. No, that was, part, that was part. That was part of the um, the fifties, the fifties scandals about um that, like we had in the eighties, the horror films. They in the fifties, it was um, com- in the late forties, early fifties that comic books are ruining our children. They're gonna, they're de- de- they're depraving our children. Comic. They even did that with the, the comic book. The whole comic book series even had to go on with like 
Superman and Batman and all that and, sort of stuff. And had they actually read one of these, they would understand that the purpose of these stories is to teach a moral lesson. Yeah, but they don't. Well, it, goes, it goes back to last week. Oh, we got to my friends right here in River City. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. It happens all the time. But it's just easier to point fingers without even doing any research and to polarize yourself and say, you either the also on my side or that side. They do it all the time and it's always going to happen, but it's it's bad, but it's never going to change. They do it these oh, days. Even when we talked about the, the Barbie movies and people just saying, oh, I love it because blah, blah, blah. I hate it because blah, blah, blah. You should watch it. You shouldn't watch it. And it's like, why don't you watch it just for watching it and taking it as it is? This is exactly the same example. The story should be, the, the tales should be listened, should be watched for what they are. Entertaining, life teaching, teaching a life lesson, and it's a horror. There's nothing political about them. There's nothing well, it's kind of like, bad. It's, it's a bit like when you see a banned film and then you watch the banned film, it's like, God, if you actually watch this, it's like, because you banned it, you actually gave them more money than if you if you just let it go out, no one would have watched it because it's not but a again, <laughs> But again, here, I disagree that there's no... Like there's no like you know there's no there's no like oh you know politics and like the 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 idea of like I support this candidate here but there is a political there there's there is a political uh, moral thing to this. There, I would I call mean, it, oh, I, I, but I, I would call it philosophical, Matisse, rather than political. philosophical. But yeah. at the same time, you know it's there's there's the morality there's the morality of this and you know the the second story I mean you know. It is what it is, uh, you know. Again, not, I'm not. I'm not saying it's bad, but I, 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 didn't, really like it. I, didn't, I didn't like. I didn't like it. I think it's um. I think it would have benefited if it was a black and white story because I think it's the zombie makeup that kind of like oh, it kind of takes you, pulls you out of it a little bit because it's good up until that point, and then when you see him, I mean, he kind of, he kind of figured it, out. but then when you kind of see him, you're like, okay, and then yeah. he's blind. Yeah, I mean, maybe she like felt his face, like, "Oh, can I see what you look like?" And then let me feel your face or something. I mean, I maybe, but <laughs> but but I think it's also the morality tale is a bit like so he's being punished for leaving his family and living with the girl that he loves. Yeah, but the, I think it's more the, was the morality that. tale is a bit for looking at through our lens. It's a bit iffy now. I mean, I guess in the day when it's more family values and. Divorce I, I think it's more how he does it. Yeah. Because he's lying to his family and just abandoning them. Mm -hmm. As yeah. opposed to, I'm going to leave with this woman. I'm going to do my part to make sure that you're able to take my kids. He's just going to disappear. But I also think the way he's disappearing doesn't seem to be too far from the family home. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because she ends up moving into the place that they're going to move into. Yeah, and, and within walking distance, he's on foot, so he's able to get there. And it's like it seems to be like, you know, she's in the town, and he's at the next town over, the next city over. So it's like it doesn't seem to be that far. And you know, <laughs> and, and, and in English terms, things are not that far away. I mean, you know, half an hour drive here is considered like you're miles away. <laughs> so I guess I guess there's that as well. And maybe he's just not doing it well. He's just not good at it. Well, well, what, what, what aren't you doing well? And and the girl, and he's the just not good at the whole leaving his wife, le yo, uh, sneaking uh, away, leaving his wife thing. If he's just going to well, move one town very, over, he's not very fluid, is he? <laughs> well, and there's, a, there's kind of this dirty old man thing going on. I think it's, yeah. is that is that 
And I think, and that again, this is looking at it from today's society lens because it kind of like this old guy with this young dolly bird. Which I think this was this was Ian Hendry, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, this I mean, was Ian Hendry. Not old, but you know, yeah, you know, he's probably younger than we are at this point. <laughs> at this point, uh, but Andrew LeGrant, who plays the girlfriend, yeah, he's he, younger at this point. At this point, when he made this movie, he's younger than I am now. Yeah, but he looks uh, old for whatever reason. And the next year, he was in the uh, awesome Theater of Blood, which is one of my favorite Vincent Price movies. Oh, what movie's Theater. up? Oh, Theater of Blood. He's in Theater of Blood the very Theater next year. Theater of Blood. Oh, yeah. I've loved it. I haven't seen that in a long time either. I'm glad you reminded me because everybody's gone now. Mm. And I can watch all my trash. But I guess he's also in the bitch. Speaking of Joan Collins, he's also in the bitch. Joan Collins. So, yeah, there's. But the one um, who the wife, I mean, the girlfriend, Angela. Angela Grant. I mean, the thing is, if you look at her career, all her careers are in those those sex comedy films and Britain called the Carry On films. And she was the yeah, Dolly. A lot of them were the same people that were behind these movies too, which is yeah. So to see her like in this, so so you have him who's looking a bit like a bank because he oh Ian Henry always kind of looked like a banker, you know. Yeah. And going after this doll, this young Dolly Bird who's basically known in British cinema as like the young pretty Dolly Bird who you know with the big boobs sort of thing, and then putting them together in this, it's kind of so he kind of got this kind of weird thing going on anyway. So he like he leaves a dowdy wife for a pretty girl. That's what that's what it comes across. That's <laughs> <So> like, <laughs> and you think okay, well he deserved to die because of that. So that's that. I think that's the reason why I found the morality tales. Looking at it from our our perspective today doesn't pay off as much as the other ones do. I think that's the problem. And if you we, know what? Yeah, I think if we were in a piratical society, and that we we're all like, you know, if we were all like Mormons or something, we probably would say, "Yeah, he deserved it." <laughs> <laughs> or why didn't he just marry both of them and keep both? No I'm kidding. <laughs> But, you know, and I think that's probably the problem with this story. But maybe at the time, maybe it had more of a payoff. I, I I feel like it's more the the idea of um of the abandonment more than anything else. Yeah. Because nowadays, yeah, if you leave if you leave your wife, that's one thing. Right. But I think it's the idea of abandoning her to go somewhere else uh, to go away with this other woman, even if it's like like Keith said, he's literally the next town over. So I don't know what the hell. Mm. Um. One guy who definitely does deserve it, though. <laughs> we're gonna get, we're gonna get to the next story, which, um, I'm glad nobody else has ever done this story. Um, I know in uh, The Walking Dead, Greg Nicotero is such a big fan of Peter Cushing's makeup as a zombie that right. in one, in uh, one of the recent seasons of The Walking Dead, he had a Peter Cushing as Grimsdyke zombie in it, and there were photos going around online. Because he wanted to pay tribute to it. This is, man. And I don't even want to, this is a pun that wasn't going to be intended. I feel like this one actually is the heart of this movie. Yeah. Well, that, that, that poetic justice, uh, justice a story. Yeah. That's my favorite film. Wait, which one's sad? Which the one's one your favorite? Thing? So I, I thought you were talking about the, the next story. Already. Uh, yeah. The one about the, uh, you know, Peter Cushman. Peter Cushing as the yeah. very lovable, um, very lovable, innocent uh, widower, uh, yeah. Grimsdyke, who 
his wife has passed away and all his joy in life is to get these broken toys because he was a he was a, a trash man. He gets these broken toys, he fixes them and he gives them to the children of the neighborhood. Wow. The children of the neighborhood and his dogs are all he has. Oh my god, this is this one just tore my heart out of my chest. Yeah. When I watched this one, it's like ah and you get the fucking prick son of the of the uh, of the guy who owns the mansion across the street who all he could think about is how this Poor old man who's on pension is lowering the property value by just existing. That's all he's doing. Yeah, I think he starts rumors about who knows what he gets up to with the kids. He's the ultimate sweet. It's so bad what they did. I just like please don't do that to the old man. But if you look at Britain at this time in seventy two, the class system here was very much in play as well. Oh, that's right. This was filmed in 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 England. So you still have like your middle class and your poorer class, and they never should the two meet. You are you the one that told me you're not supposed to talk bad about the poor? (laughs) 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 But but, you know, but. I mean, yeah, it it just and the thing is, when you think it can't get any worse, it gets worse. The le- the the cards and the letters. I, I mean, I, yeah. think, I think they used this in Heather's when they did that to Martha Dump Truck with the letter. But uh, but you're like, oh my god, and then he just gives up. Well, I mean, because the whole time he doesn't know. That there's this guy conspiring against him who's trying to get his dogs taken away uh, by destroying. Oh, when they took the dogs, his only was there my friends, and it's just like not the dogs. I mean, but, but, I but would go fat fucking AR. But you know, but you know what? But you know what? But you know what else? Which is quite interesting, and we we kind of covered we kind of covered this when we were talk, talking talking so about mean. the thing about that someone can say whatever they want to, and people just jump on the fucking bandwagon without even questioning it. And, it, and that's, oh, what, that's yeah. what he what, does. What's he doing with your children in there? And all he does is whisper yeah. to his mother and all things that the whole neighborhood. Yeah, that I mean, uh, was, was that after like the dogs? Was... was that before? Yeah, they or took after the, the dogs. dogs. They came no, and took they, the dogs first. The kid, and then the he starts his campaign. Then the dogs. Yeah, the kids left and they took the he dogs. He tells the parents, "Oh, God only knows what he gets up to in there with them." So he's 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 intimating he might be a pedophile. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You horrible, horrible fucking person. Um, but they took his dogs. No, you do not take an old man's dogs. I mean, seriously, for some elderly around here, especially their dogs are their life. They're their best friend. And just to do that to somebody that's, that's so realistic to me because there are assholes out there. You know, but you know, you know, you know, what made that even worse is that when one of the dogs comes back. Yeah. Yeah. And that dog is the is the reason they find the body because that dog's just yeah. yelping the entire time. Oh, um, I know the dog's in there barking. Oh my god! It's just I like, mean, oh my god! But you know, the, it kind of made me reflect on stuff like when I was growing up and stuff like this. And you know, like you always had that person in your neighborhood when you're in a small town or whatever, like that or whatever. And that there's these stories about them. Always, we yeah, had that no one lady, yeah, that poor woman. She was such a nice person too, and people just said well, oh, the way to Watertown. We yeah, had she was TV. a Jewish concentration camp survivor. I mean, all kinds yeah. of shit. And we she had got you know, damaged we, in a fire, didn't she? 
Yeah. Like well, no, the Nazis burned her. But, I couldn't remember um, how that happened. Yeah, the Nazis burned her. But um, a lot of money too. But the um, thing is, is um, but you know, but you get these stories and all this like that. You know, I mean, we I mentioned it before. I won't go into it. But we had a guy named Chicky, and it's kind of like funny. But there's these stories that like he's away from him. That he's he's a child pedophile. Da da da. And it's only before my dad died I asked him about it. I couldn't find out that he wasn't. He was the guy who who fell in love with another guy. He got in a car accident. The guy died. That's it. And they said rumors about him because well, of that. because he was gay in nineteen sixty two. Yeah, yeah. I guess people. And, 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 the, and the guy was and the guy was two years younger than him. The guy was eighteen and he was twenty. Oh boy, he really died. Cradle, wasn't he? Well, no, but the thing is, is like you know, but the kid, the kid that he was with, probably was I, I, I think he was part of the, like a, a prestigious family in Sack. Was that back home? Sack, nineteen sixty-two. The guy he used to ride his bike up and down the road. He was a car, but they go keep away from him, keep away from him, and that kind of reminds me of this story in this situation because the thing is, like you know, that you know that happened in sixty-two. You know, up until this guy died, us kids. Because we were told to stay away from him, we would pass this story on from person to person. Yeah. So basically, this guy was ostracized and he died like in 1990. That's almost, I mean, that's 30 odd years of this story being perpetrated because of a vicious lie that someone made up. Yeah. Yeah, and but it, it's so it, easy for people to believe the worst, isn't it? Well, they what they do. I mean, the thing is, you get it on the internet or whatever. It's like people just sit there and say something and next thing you know it's being passed or or someone's making a tiktok of something that they think is facts and they're not facts and this gets passed and passed and everyone just jumps on it. but no one asks questions like well i haven't seen that for myself where, where are you getting it and no one and that's and that's what quite interesting about the story because they just take this guy's words like why doesn't anyone go what proof do you have that's all you have to say what proof do you have because they what use because he uses the easy button, which is he's coming for your kids. Yeah. And yeah. that is all it takes. And the and thing is, the like, well, and the thing is, but no one says, how do you know that? That's all anyone has to say is, how do you know that? So Where's your proof? Where are you getting your information? That's all he you have says, to ask. He even says, who knows what he gets up to with those kids? Well, why don't we ask them? Yeah. Has he ever that was a sad all, story. He was just kid, a nice old because, lonely man that was nice to the kids. And I, you could see, especially him being male, what, where that was going to go. I just, that that one tore me up a little bit, especially when they took the dogs. So I just, yeah. Oh, and the thing, and another thing is, is and another thing that he perpetrates is he lives in a dirty pigsty. Yeah. Yeah. And that, then in the end, you find when he goes in there, he goes, this place is spotless. Yeah. yeah, they were coming yeah, in. A right. guy who's a trash collector is going to keep his house spotless because he's around garbage all the time. He doesn't want to be around it when he gets home. But the thing is, no one, but everyone disagrees with it. No one goes, yeah. Have you been no in this house? No one takes up for everybody. Simple question have you, have you been in this house? Where are you getting your information? How do you know this? Take it for granted. And, yeah. it, and the thing that really is the worst is that it's all done for malicious reasons. Yeah. Well, that oh, guy's just personal, an asshole. Personal malicious reasons because you want him to gain his property. Yeah. yeah, that's he just decided to be, a, you know, he wanted something. You go and get it. He had the money and he thought he was above everything. Well, he just looked out the window one day and goes, I don't like you. Yeah, exactly. All it took. That's all it took. And, oh, I don't like you. 
And I do want to get into a little bit of background on this one because this was uh, this was 1972. This was made. Um, mm-hmm. Peter Cushing, uh, fantastic actor, fantastic. You know, he was doing yes, Shakespeare in the you know the 40s and 50s, and he he met his wife who was a, who was an actress. Uh, they married. She got into a uh, or she got sick in the uh, the early 70s. He took a break from acting to take care of his wife. His wife passed away right before this movie was made. Um, and if you've read Peter Cushing's autobiography, or if you know anything about him, his autobiography stops when his wife dies. He lives uh, another 25 years. He does, he does not, his autobiography came out in the late 80s. Nothing that happens after his wife dies is in the autobiography. Yeah. Um, why he, is that? Did he just—he was he, just completely. She was he was he loved her. She was his entire life. What's that? Yeah. Well, was I didn't know he'd stop writing or just anything. I didn't well, know he, he got to that after. point. No, his autobiography. He wrote many, many years later, but he doesn't cover anything after his wife dies. Okay, and I did not Star know Wars. That. He's in Star it, Wars after his wife dies. Yeah, it, you know? because his life ended when she died. Huh? His life ended when she died. That's well, the way. That's the way. His life ended. He was in his the- autobiography. He says that the night that she died, he oh. ran up and down the stairs in his house, hoping to induce a fatal heart attack. Oh my God! I can't imagine somebody being that in love with me or caring that much. Jeez, can you imagine somebody grieving like you know, that? You know, it's, you know, it's funny, but there's another horror icon, same thing. Vincent Price. Vincent yeah. Price. Coral Brown died. Yeah. Coral yeah. Brown That's died. It was like Vincent yeah. Price was alive like two years after Coral Brown died. She died while he was on the set of Edward Scissorhands. He found out while he was on set. That's true. That's true. Continued filming. Um, but Peter Cushing, uh, this movie, and maybe this is why this is such a good performance because he's this Bad. is him, man. but then, but then I kind of wondering in this performance, knowing this now, I, I wonder if the original script had Valentine's Day cards in it because now this makes it even crueler. Oh God, yeah. Day, only you would think of something like that. Well, I mean, that like, it'll be mine, and you know, you know, and all these love cards coming through, and then they're, and then they're like, just, and then there's this nasty settlement to him, and he's like really excited. He's got some posts, and he opens up, and each one has this nasty settlement in it. But then yeah, he's like, he, day, and he's just getting over the death of his wife. And the first thing he does is he walks over to his wife, and he he has the valentines in his hand. He's like, "Well, you're still the only one for me, my love." Yeah. That whole sequence there. That's so cool. I mean, that he loved her so much. I mean, because you don't see that. People don't in it for the long haul anymore, baby. Look it up on YouTube. It's I think it's still there. Um, In the late 80s or early 90s, as Peter Cushing was wrapping up his film career, um, he bred a rose and it's called the Helen Cushing Rose. No Uh, So she could have something that could live on. Um, and I think the video was on YouTube because I think they did like a BBC thing. Like it's only like 10, 15 minutes long. I'll have to check uh, that out. What's it called? Do you remember? Uh, just, I, I, you know what? Let me, let me see right now on YouTube. If I look up Helen Cushing. Well, Rose, you don't have to look. Yeah. I mean, what is it about? Was it just Peter Cushing doing a, about his rose? Yeah. Or just the Helen Cushing Rose. It'll come up easier that way. Oh, I can remember that. 
And I just, I've never heard there. of this story. I think it's definitely heartbreaking. I mean, but, but then to make this I even heard. worse, I mean, after his wife died, he lived 10 years after she died. Uh, 20. 20 years after she 20 died. years after, yeah. That has got to be. That's that's just the living hell on earth when somebody you love so much dies on you. And you know that you've got to be here longer. You only got the, you're going to miss them the rest of your life. I mean, that's Christopher Lee, uh Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing were really, really close friends. So he would... He would stop by and see him. He and Peter Cushing just—he uh, was so struck with grief that he would take every single part that came his way if he was pop, if it was possible, just so he didn't have to think about it. So mm. that's that's the level, and that's and I think that that probably adds to this performance here because his performance here is amazing. And that is this around the time his wife died when this he did year. this. Same year, I think. Same year. Or, or I mean, they might have been filming the same year, but this came out the year after. Well, that uh, would be that would that would definitely. I mean, you could feel the performance. See, I didn't know any of this. This kind of explains a lot for me because it was so sad. God, was it sad? I was so hard to watch. And, and it I was guess, a horror skit. I mean, you this, know, like this. The only bad. Th the only bad thing I could say about this segment. I think the guy worse. I think the guy deserved a worse death than what he got. Yes, <laughs> but it's gratifying when you see the look on his face when you see the Grimsdyke zombie come at him. And speaking of which, we were talking about the the makeup in the previous story and how that really wasn't that good. The makeup in this story is fantastic. Yeah. I guess it depends on who's doing it, though, too. Well, I mean, they have the Probably same they have the same crew on every. I mean, it's, I mean, these weren't done like in separate. Like separate yeah, directors, one, one director, one, one, um, you know, one makeup person, everything. But I think, I think, I think the first one, I think they wanted to give a nod more to the EC Comics because the makeup for the zombie looks like what you would see in an EC comic. Where the Peter Cushion, that makes sense. Makeup, I think they're, I think, I think the Peter Cushion one, I think they went with their own design, maybe. Yeah, I'm gonna maybe. watch that, and, and, um, that one again just because um, I want. And Google Greg Nicotero, uh, Grimsdyke yeah, zombie. Mike. He recreated it for The Walking Dead. He recreated a zombie that looks like Peter Cushing in this movie. He did it as a nod to this movie. You know what's really funny? I remember, he, you know what he did? I know it was political and it was meant to be a stab, but I thought it was funny. But they, had, I think it was season six, they had the Donald Trump zombie came out. <laughs> was it season six? There was a season. It had to be around 2015, 2016, because he must have just come down the escalator. But it was so funny because it was a Donald Trump. I kept looking. I go, is that Donald Trump? <laughs> like, I said, Donald, it was a great zombie. It's like, yeah, I loved it. I'm sorry. I thought it was great. I mean, but... Yeah. It's, it's, I, don't, I don't think it's political to say he made a zombie that looked like Donald Trump. If he did, he did. It's not political. No, I mean, it's probably a stab because he doesn't like him. But I really actually enjoyed seeing it. Well, to be like, honest, personally, if they did a zombie of me, I'd be more than happy. Yeah, dude, I would be like, I oh would my love God, it if someone make a zombie of me. I want to be a zombie. I yeah, want to die know. bloody in somebody's movie, too. So, Joe, start making movies. I want to die bloody before that I get... Everybody has told me, like, <laughs> if you make a movie, kill me off in it. I'm like, I, I can do that. I can try to do that. Uh, but, yeah, Google uh, Greg Nicotero and uh, Grimsdyke Zombie, and you'll see the pictures. They have side-by-side -side okay. pictures zombie that they created. Um, First time I saw this, I didn't know it existed. Uh, the Tales from the Crypt movie, this is the one that stood out to me. This is the story that stood out to me even then because it was when um, I didn't have cable growing up. 
So in the early 90s, they started airing the Tales from the Crypt TV series on Saturday nights on Fox. They were edited, obviously, for television. But I remember seeing in the TV guide that there was a Tales from the Crypt movie that was going to be on at 2 p.m. So I watched it and I didn't remember anything about it initially until a couple years later when I watched it again, a little bit more grown up. Right. And I remember the, the, the poem at the end of this, which, you know, um, you were mean and cruel right from the start. Now you really have no, no on Fox. That's where they cut it off because obviously you really weren't going to show a, a disembodied. God, remember how people used to scheme and just freak about shit back in the day on TV. Now it's just like, damn man, full frontal. <laughs> <laughs> Like what has happened in the last twenty years? At any time of the day, <laughs> like Spartacus on Netflix. If you want to see good-looking, full frontal men, there you go, Spartacus. You can see, you can see, in this country, you can see full frontal on Disney Plus because they own Fox. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have thought that you turn on Disney Plus and see Rocky Horror Picture Show? <laughs> yeah, true. But I mean, yeah, true. There's a uh, lot. Of, there's stuff on Netflix that I don't actually watch. But does anybody have anything they want to add about this story before we move on to the next story? No, I got cool. I had to there and say that Eve, everyone's performance in this was spot on, though. Absolutely. Even yeah, the horrible. I mean, even the horrible guy. Time. As soon as you see the horrible guy, before he even opens your mouth, you're disgusted with him. Before you even know what his plan is, so that's great casting. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, if no one's got anything else to say, we'll move on to the next one, which is he's cool. One that up until recently, I didn't really real, I didn't really understand why, uh, you know, this, this guy was being punished. But he probably got the worst death of everybody here, or, right. or, or the worst oh, post death because <laughs> uh, it's a take on the monkey's paw. Uh, um, yeah, and yeah, the you know the wife finds the monkey's paw. She wishes for lots and lots of money, and right. the, her husband who's been embezzling, and the, the re that's the reason her husband's been embezzling. So yeah, she she wishes for lots and lots of money. He has a huge, uh, huge insurance thing that pays out a ton of money. Um, then comes the second wish, which is, you know, I wish that he would come back just as he was right before the accident. They wheel in the corpse, and it's no, he died of a heart attack at the wheel. And then you have the kicker, which is, well, I wish he was alive right now. I hope he never dies. But he's forever. But he's already been embalmed. <laughs> Absolutely twisted. That's the worst. That's the worst death anybody in this movie gets, bar none. Yeah. I mean, it's it's an odd tale because, you know, this story reminds me of it has nothing to do with this at all. But there is a another asylum anthology we'll cover later about the one with that they want the flute and it has the rope that comes the magic trick with the rope that goes up yeah. the note. and it, yeah. and this has that and this has that kind of, same kind of feeling about it i don't know why i don't know why i get these two confused because and, and look i mean knowing the story of, and then seeing this again i for some reason i don't know why i get these two confused but they feel like the same but they're not at all yeah and that's actually in vault of horror which is the direct sequel to this one yeah, I just kind of wanted to say maybe maybe it's got the same cast or something, but I don't know. But um, I, I do I like. I mean, I do I do like it, but it's just, but for some reason, in my mind, I always get this confused with that other story for some reason. 
they they are similar in tone. I feel like oh well, well yeah maybe I'll I'll keep an eye out when I rewatch when we rewatch Vault of Horror. Yeah, uh, maybe he's got maybe he's got the same people or something. Maybe that's or maybe that's it, the link. I, I have not watched Vault of Horror as often as I've watched this. I've I like Vault of Horror, but this is a far superior movie. So I've I've shown this to people. Like I'd be like, no, you got to see this. This is actually a legit great movie. Um, so interestingly enough, this I did not know until today. I got up to watch. I got up early because I watched both these movies last night. I could have not watched Tales from the Crypt last night, and I could have been fine coming into today because I've seen this movie like fifty times. I absolutely adore this movie. Uh, I got up this morning because I wanted to do a comparison of the two versions of an all through the house. And as I was looking, I was like, wait, Freddie Francis directed an episode of the TV series. He directed the movie here, too, which we'll get into Freddie Francis at, at, you know, at the end. So I looked up the episode. It's season seven, episode two. And it's this story again, redone more comedically, though, not (laughs) nearly. But I was sending you guys clips as I was watching. I was like, oh, my God, they did the they did the story again. Uh, in the newer version, it's uh, three sisters who are like antique dealers, and they get a hold of the monkey's paw, and it's the same exact thing. They read the exact same uh, uh, incantation that's on the uh, that's on the monkey's paw in this. The people uh, they, just don't listen. It's just like they, don't do it. It's just <laughs> like if there's an incantation, don't say it. But they they wish they wish for lots and lots of money. One of the sisters dies. The sister says, well, I wish she was alive. I wish she, we could get her back just as she was right before, you know, right before the car went into the lake. And yeah, yeah. oh, well, she she died before she before the car went into the lake. So it's basically the same thing. There's a different twist at the end. Right. But it's seven, episode two. Basically, Freddie Francis remade his own story here. Not as good as this. But, you know, this is 25, you know, 25 years later. This is like right. 1997. Um I, mean, the so, monkey, yeah, I think it gets the a little trophy story. around this episode, though. What's the, that? The monkey, the monkey Paul story seems to be done quite free, like a lot, though. A lot. It? They they do it a lot. Yeah. The Simpsons the, did a version of it when their Treehouse of Horror. Yes. Yes. It's been true. done. Been certain, and all kinds of variations, too, like Joe was saying. So. Yeah, uh, you think a lot of anthology movies have done it, too. I, 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 hmm. Do you think it has something to do? Because do you think it's like a... Like a... Because it, it's kind of weird. The monkey paw story is kind of like a... It feels like it's stolen from the Aladdin story. Like the three wishes and the... Yeah. You know, it's kind of where has that... Where did it come from? Where did the monkeys... I know where it came from, but... It's an original, to... no, it's an original story. It's, it's yeah, story. no, I'm trying where to figure came... out where the concept came from, though. I, I've got the book. I mean, it's probably just old folklore, just pro- passed yeah. down generation to generation to generation. I mean, you, you get it all the time. Like, even the Wishmaster yeah. movies, in a way... Yeah, you get the gin that comes out and be careful what you wish for. And he, and he gives he gives you what you want. It's just not exactly what you want. Oh, I just thought of the blue gin for I Dream a Genie when you said <laughs> 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 the blue gin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I just thought of that. Just popped in. Or may, maybe it's a cautionary tale that if you're going to speak English, you might want to speak it properly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember that was <laughs> In one of the Wishmaster movies, uh, they they tell the djinn, "I'd like to see this guy go fuck himself." So the guy's body. Oh my out. god, that Wishmaster! That is some fucked up shit, man. I, I, I there's like how many of them are there? Three? There's four. I didn't realize that. Uh, four. I've not seen uh, three. Name uh, the uh, the guy who plays the djinn in the first two. He's only in the first two. 
So yeah, the the third one I was kind of disappointed. That's some when seriously I, fucked up shit. I love. I love. I'm probably gonna turn there, that out when I get up. There's some <laughs> fucked up movies. I know. I, I, I want to be. I want to be young and beautiful forever. And she, she turns into a mannequin. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, scene. there's that. Yeah. Uh, I want to never grow old. It turns into a mannequin. That was, I, that was even one of the first two movies. I don't remember which one. I haven't seen those in a while. Yeah, they're bizarre. Um, but I mean, I like I like this one. But I have to sit there and say it's one of those ones that it also reminds me of this Alfred Hitchcock episode with uh, Joseph Cotton, and he oh. gets in, and he gets in a car accident. And basically, he swerves off in a car accident, and he's laying there. And basically, he's alive inside his head. And he's telling, and he's like, and they steal his clothes, and they steal everything. So he's there in his underwear, and then they, and they, basically, I need to show him I'm alive, but he can't move anything. He's like, oh, and then they take him to an, an to get an autopsy. And um, and and they see like they see like a small tear coming and out of his eye. But this then, is the, like. But it's what this story as well. It's like you know, there's you nothing worse than thinking about you're frozen and somebody starts giving you an autopsy. It's just like fuck. It's just like yeah. that's like and you're, and you're alive in your head, but they but they can't figure out that your body's alive. There's so, there's actual like well you know that there's clinical things where you look like you're dead. Yeah, well, I mean, God, God knows what they were doing in Victorian times because I mean, people were oh, like, man. In grave, so. Can you imagine? It's just like, oh, mm -hmm. well, you have they think you're in a state of rigor mortis and they bury you. He's like, fuck, just like, what a way to go. I mean, no wonder Edgar was fucked up. You wake up, they think you're they think you're they think you're a living corpse and they kill you. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a vampire or something. God, we, uh, just got, we got morbid Christmas minds going here. Yeah, so I guess um, we'll move on to the last story, which is Blind Alleys, with uh, the great Patrick McGee. Man, he's he's been put through some shit in a lot of movies, whether it's a Clockwork Orange or this movie. Yeah, always being put through the ringer. And a Clockwork Orange, he, uh, he and his wife are attacked and raped by the gang, and here he's uh, he's a blind man who's being tortured by this new uh, this new director of the hospital and he's the guy who's kind of the, the one who's speaking up for his um yeah i wonder who thinks of that when they think of this shit i mean you know it's like oh about today i decided i'm gonna write a horrible story about torturing human beings <laughs> i mean have you ever watched hell have you ever watched hellraiser yeah <laughs> that's that's what it's about same concept yeah i um, think i i am um... It's quite funny because if anything, I think I think the titles are a bit weird because even though the Peter Christians episode is called Poetic Justice, I consider this one should have been Poetic Justice. Oh yeah. Because this has I mean the thing is about, you know, the star the starving of the um the patients because to save money, the lack of heat to try to save money, and then what happens is you know, you he he that he does the same thing to the guy who who's basically making these decisions and to his dog, and then we get the ending. But saying that, I have to sit there and say that this has this this has a this has a cruelty in it of all its own. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, uh you know, that to go through this, you know, you know, 
the razors and the nails and everything built into these like skinny hallways and then starving of the dog so it would eat him as I mean, I know, and then turning the lights out and then after he comes through and gets to the other side that's when you release the dog and then you turn the lights out so he's got to go back through all those razors and things but without being able to see so yeah you're right this probably should have been called poetic justice because it's the only one where you do get you know what happens is directly uh, comparable to what you were doing. Um, and I was amazed at how good blind builders were because I always think they killed very well. <laughs> well, in looking at Tales from the Crypt this morning, I discovered that this was also redone in the TV series uh, with Terry Polo, John Savage, and God, I do, the guy's name escapes me. But he's the guy that was uh, in um, the uh, the Omega Man. He was the the lead of the the leader of the mutants that was after Charlton Heston. Was he? Okay, no, in uh, the uh, in the the TV remake of this. Episode. Oh, yeah, oh, in, okay. in the TV, okay. yeah, the TV version. Hmm. Um, and Terry po and they they switched it around. So Terry Polo, who is the uh, she's Ben Stiller's wife in the Meet the Parents movies. She's a she's a pretty blonde woman who's brought in. Isaac Hayes is in the Patrick McGee part. He's the kind of the leader, the 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 outspoken one of the the blind people. And basically, in the new version, that guy is sexually exploiting Terry Polo, making trying to force her to sleep with him to at first to get out, and she won't do it. So then he starts taking more and more away from the blind people, and uh, he sends John Savage, who's his younger brother, who he's kind of. You know, he's kind of more kind hearted. He's trying to get away from everything his brother's doing. He sends him to tell Terry Polo's character that if you don't sleep with him, they're going down to one meal a day and he's taking more and more away. So that version, it becomes a little sleazier than this version. Right. Uh, but it's the same thing. Go, I imagine, though, that the end of it probably is a bit, has a bit more gory, um, gory finale. The, the, yeah. And the other thing, and it's the reason that I that I just uh, thought of it, uh, just remembered it now. Uh, John Savage is not blind. He's you know he's the director's brother, and he helps them build the trap for uh, his brother. And you find out that he he inherited the uh, uh, the the home by uh, by apparently killing his mother. It's a much sleazier, gorier affair than this version. But yeah, just wanted to throw that out there that it's there. Uh, here, this reminded me a lot of, um, and I didn't watch these at the time, so I, you know, I, I wasn't able, you know, talk to me two years ago, I wouldn't have been able to make this comparison. Um, they're, you know, like the juvenile delinquent movies of the 30s, where you'd have like, in one of them, it's the East Side Kids or the uh, uh, the Dead End Kids, mm -hmm. are all put in a juvenile delinquent home where you have this overbearing warden who is torturing them and at one point and always the snapping point which is the snapping point here is one of them dies mm -hmm. it happens in the mayor of hell it happens in girls in chains it happens one flew over the cuckoo's nest yeah one flew over the cuckoo it happens in any oh basic prison movie whether it's even a women in prison movie i watched recently um reform school girls and it's the same thing you have the the, the overbearing warden who yeah. is you know just an asshole to everybody and the second somebody dies that's when everybody just bands together and goes we're gonna take this motherfucker out and it happens in this too and it's satisfying to see them stand up for themselves and do it right uh, 
And yeah, it's uh, this is uh, all Patrick McGee here. I love Patrick McGee in this as the you know the especially his slow speaking drawl. Um, uh, apparently he's never seen the movie, or uh, he never had see, uh, at least at the time. Sam Irvin interviewed him in the in the late seventies. He said he had never actually seen the movie, but he enjoyed his time on it. Uh, he was paid by the day. So he knew that it was going to be a quick, uh, quick turnaround because they weren't going to want to pay him too many days. Um, never saw it. Heard it was good. Never had the time to really check it out, but he enjoyed doing it. That's uh, that's all I can get on this movie about, uh, for, for Patrick McGee. Uh, Peter Cushing. All I all I uh, read about him was that that is uh, people have asked if that's his if that's his actual wife in the portrait. He says no, it's not. Um, so. I found the funny thing about this is that it's rated. It was rated X when it came out here. It's rated PG now on the back of the Blu-ray. It's PG. Yeah, but it was rated X when it came out here in the UK. But I think everything in, in the UK. I think all horror in the UK got an X rating, regardless of. I'd be. Uh, I'd be curious to know what Caligula got in the UK. I mean, was it rated? Was it just off yeah. the chart? No, because they, but Englanders have a problem with sex. They have a problem with. Violence. That's true. It's the violence. Sex is not a problem. I keep forgetting that. We're, we're we're the fruits over here about sex. Everybody's doing it. No one wants to talk about it. But what I liked about I don't you know I think I, I think what sells the story though is the even though you don't see it really happening, but the idea of like walking through this corridor with these razor blades cutting you. That's yeah. like the razor blade. Because nothing's worse than a paper cut and a razor blade cut. Between the fingers, even. Yeah, and then you get the multiple they you know to the literal depth of a thousand cuts here yeah, yeah. well i mean what they should have done was had that's rain cruel that's they just sick they should have an alcohol an alcohol rain coming down over him as uh-huh. well. <laughs> yeah rubbing alcohol yeah. With, with, with a bit of salt and some of the with a bit of salt as he's rubbing against the salt <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a salt pit at the end <laughs> uh, like, oh, a tripwire trip in a salt pit yeah. <laughs> You see, know, we can make our own movie. Well, we actually, great ideas. To be honest, when you watch all those, you know, B, B or C celebrities on these champion shows, I mean, why don't they get them a, you know, why don't we see a course like this on there? I'd watch it. <laughs> but sliding down a 40 foot razor blade into a pool of rubbing alcohol. But... Yeah. Could yeah. <laughs> have been on Fear Factor. <laughs> yeah. Not for 50 grand, though. There ain't shit on Fear Factor I would do for 50 grand. Half the like eating the cockroach milkshakes and no, 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 no. I mean, I would, I would, I'd watch it. I probably would end up watching a series if they're like that. If people actually, yeah, they do the fear factor over here, they make them do it or they used to, yeah, but they live. I want to see them die in it. Oh, I don't want to see them die. Well, yeah, it depends. I mean, I want I want to see Squid Games where basically it's like you know, yeah, you literally have one standing because they're all like corpses. Yeah, that's a good idea, actually. Oh. And then I would, then I would, then I would have been more emotionally invested in it. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm just gonna watch. Well, it. yeah, you have to have that little special thing. I get, yeah. Mm. Right, and I guess then we have the uh, the ubi- what's become. Uh, I mean, even even at this point, they'd already done this ending, this twist ending, a couple times with Amicus. You have what's become the ubiquitous horror anthology ending, which is, ah, you were in hell all along. Yeah. <laughs> 
Sort of like in that movie Krampus, they wake up and they're in the snow globe forever, and all the other families are in the snow globes. <laughs> that just that that just gives me anxiety just thinking about being stuck in a snow globe with all of my people. They all go down into the fiery pit, don't they? That's how they end. They yeah, with uh, Ralph Richardson turning to you, turning and looking at us. Yeah, and intimating, oh, this could be you. You better watch what you're doing. Cautionary <laughs> tale. You know, because you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not show. I want to read. I feel like. <laughs> I feel like all four of us here really enjoy this movie. I feel like all four oh, God, of us. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a classic. Uh, so, Sam Irvin interviewed Freddie Francis, and uh, you could read it in his book, I Was a Teenage Monster Hunter, How I Met Vincent Price, Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, and more. And you can get the book on Amazon. There's a plug for you right there, Sam. Thank you for doing all these interviews over the you know, long career you've had. Um, and I know he, uh, I'll, I'll make sure he sees this one. I'll send it to him. Uh, he shameless plug for those we love. <laughs> well, it's not shameless. I mean, it does fit. It oh, does I'm fit kidding. You're it. always saying they're shameless. I get shameless plugs all the time. <laughs> but this one is uh, this one is direct to uh, you know. Uh, Freddie Francis, by the way, Academy Award winning cinematographer, one of the greatest cinematographers to ever live. He went into directing with Hammer and Amicus because he was going to make more money. He still enjoyed doing it. He made a lot of good movies. He made some schlocky ones. Uh, this one I find to be my favorite of his films. However, when Sam asked him, what do you think of Tales from the Crypt, one of your most financially successful films? Freddie Francis responds, I did not love it. It is not my best film by any means. I don't know why it was so successful, and I can assure you that I'm still trying to figure out why. <laughs> the script was rather bad, and I, ha and I had to do a lot of work on it. Peter Cushing and I basically rewrote the Grimsdyke tale, so there's your answer to that. Maybe there was right. some Peter Cushing. But just about every script I get is very one-dimensional. I consider my scripts as outlines. I consider my job to be taking these outlines with one-dimensional characters and making everything come alive. So that Freddie Francis is apparently not a big fan of this movie. I love this movie. I think it's his his I best. I don't understand movie. why he's so hard on it. I well, don't I guess know. You're never satisfied with your Yeah, but you know the thing is, is like um I, you know what I think it is? I know what I think it might be is simple fact that if you look at his other stuff that he does, he's a cinematographer, what, um, Dune and the Elephant Man. He won the Academy Award for that. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, and then if you, if you look at this, it has this feeling of a TV movie. Well, it was basically. No, 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 it wasn't. No, well, no, I know, but I mean, if you look at the seventies, anything—I mean—that is going to look yeah. very. But, but no, this was released at the cinema. But I'm talking about if you look at, because the thing is, is like, there's not a lot of. I mean, I'm not. I'm not taking anything away from this movie because. Oh, I know great. you're not. I know you're not. But you know, but if you look at the way it is, I mean, it, it, you could you could tear this movie apart and basically stick it in Tales of the Unexpected or Tale or a Night Gallery at the time. Right. And you and you wouldn't be able to tell that this was actually a, a part of a movie situation, and maybe that's what it is because I I mean the whole movie holds together. Oh, I can the, see where you think that. And the yeah. anthology movie, you know, if you look at the anthology movies, you know, like if you look at what we saw today with Christmas Horror Story, which the what they're doing now with the anthology film is like taking it and blending it together, you know, Pulp Fiction and you know Sin City, which we'll be covering and all the other stuff. Right. That's quite interesting, but. 
with the, this anthology format where they're like individual stories and they kind of have like just a little thing kind of connecting them that doesn't really over branch everything. So, so I, I mean, I can understand why he'd feel that way. You know, if you, and if you, you know, if you look at Dune or Elephant Man or Cape Fear, or I mean, he worked with Spike Lee for fuck's sake. Oh, yeah. You know, if you look at all the other films that he was a cinematographer on, I could Those, see why he probably yeah. would feel that way a little bit. Those are legit A level movies. You know, this yeah. was, you know, as much as you might like it, and I do love this movie, it is a yeah. B movie. Yeah, it's a drive-in movie, really. I guess. Yeah, it's a drive-in movie. It's you know, it's horror on. was seen as you know horror was seen and still is to this day. I I feel like horror was seen as a lesser genre, mm -hmm. and he probably wanted to. He probably would rather make something like The Elephant Man. Would probably rather direct something like that. And I don't know that he ever got the opportunity to to do that as a director, as a cinematographer. Directed that I, movie. Now that you're Elephant Man. Well, I mean, even if you look at the camera angles, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of cinematography going on in this movie. I mean, it's it's well done, but there's not a lot. I can't sit there and say I, was, I say this is a well acted film and the stories are brilliant, but I can't sit there and say it's the best looking film we've seen. I don't know if he was a cinematographer for this. No, he wasn't. Norman Warwick was the cinematographer. Yeah, but I think he later became a cinematographer. So obviously, he he had vision, whatever that vision may be, and obviously that wasn't. You know, I mean, he didn't just become a cinematographer. He became one of the greatest to ever live. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying is like, and then you look at something, I, you know, and then he, you know, he directs a film and it doesn't have that cinematographer wildness for whatever reason. I mean, because we, I mean, let's face it, we've seen lower budget movies that have this, this a great cinematographer. Right. Right. But I mean, but I'm just saying, maybe I'm just trying to figure out why he would feel that way. Because it sounds, cause it sounds like he had a great experience working with everyone. And he didn't mind the filming of it, just for some reason he didn't. Yeah, it sounds like he did not. He didn't enjoy the the after the overall effect after after it was well, finished. Boy, he didn't like writing because he said he and Peter Cushing rewrote the Grimsdyke episode, and he and he seems to like that. But it seems like everything else he said it's very one dimensional. Which I mean, I guess I mean it was also even if you look at it in and you know we'll we'll look at more Amicus movies o over the course of the season. It is still very derivative of the other Amicus movies, which had a lot of similar themes. They all have this flowing, you know, EC comic style morality through them where, you know, hey, you're a scumbag. You're going to get, you know, you know, you're going to get your due. You're going to you're going to get uh, your just desserts. And strangers but, going up together who don't know each other. And then their stories are told out. And then there's some. And then they, and then they have to go to. An elevator. Or they go into an elevator or they go into another room. <laughs> it's always the same twist. Yeah. <laughs> and this was like the sixth or seventh movie at this point because the torture garden, same twist. Yeah, all of them, same twist. See, I kind of uh, wonder these, maybe these films did so well because maybe it's because we didn't really, Twilight Zone was off the air by that time. And, you know, I didn't know, I know Night Gallery was on, but it's like, I think we always yearn we always yearn for these anthology things, don't we? These simple stories and I mean I go back to Twilight Zone on a regular basis. I go you know, I go to these anthologies on a regular basis. Night yeah. gallery. You know. Alfred Hitchcock presents. You know, anytime I see it's like you know, I still do. It's like, you know, Alfred Hitchcock presents is being broadcast here on one of the um sky stations.
on a Saturday and Sunday, so I get up and I have to watch it. And I think maybe, and I think that's maybe that's why we love Tales of the City because I think it has that anthology feel. We love these individual stories. We love these morality. <laughs> well, they're that. short too, and they throw you into it real quick, and they get interesting real quick, and they're it's pretty good. It's if the twist of the tail. That's what I love. The twist of the tail. The um the yeah. the other thing if you don't like this particular story, you don't have to wait very long to see if the next one's going to be more interesting. Yeah. Right. You know, another one's on its way. Yeah. Yeah. Story's going to be quick. We'll we'll get to another one. You know, and th there's that. For most of these, you know, uh, Cat's Eye, you had multiple stories that were like half an hour long, and you're going to get that with others where. Well, even I VHS, like I'm not a huge fan of VHS, but because <laughs> but because there's always one story that I really like in it, I'll sit through it because of that one story that's coming up. You know what I mean? And every and every and every anthology, even as the work, uh, dead time stories might be, you know, you know, bring that out there. Even if it's a shitty, horrible anthology film, there's always still one good story that you can there's remember. Something in there that's good, yeah. Well, that's when we were spoiled because we get three great stories and two good stories. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's how I feel about it. I feel like the first, third, and fifth story are fucking phenomenal. <laughs> like, I think they are absolutely great, untouchable. I think they are absolutely perfect. Um, but we also have a cast that I think could sell any. I mean, they, oh, could yeah. sell, they could sell Snow to the Eskimos, this cast. Could. I mean, this is, you know, this is what Vincent Price was talking about, how, you know, uh, when you started getting the, you know, more method acting, like the Marlon Brando and Jimmy Dean and those people, everybody who was like the classically trained Shakespearean actor had to, you know, start doing like B movies and they started doing horror movies. But they lend an aura to it that gives it, you know, credibility. And then, yep. and, and these are British as well. So basically, these people are all rada trained as, at that time. Yeah, I mean, you have Sir Ralph Richardson as a crypt keeper here. You know, this isn't this yeah. isn't like just some guy they got off the street. This is one of the great actors of his time. You know, so there's that aspect of it too. The 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 cast of these are are phenomenal. Yeah, Ian Hendry. I mean, I mean, they're, they're all shake. They all done Shakespeare on stage. Joan Collins. I mean, she was a stage actress as well. If you look at her. Nigel Patrick is another one. Uh, Peter Cushing was doing Shakespeare. Nigel Green was doing Shakespeare. So you have all these great, wonderfully That's trained types. Yeah. Mm. Patrick... I mean, you know, if you look at Nigel Patrick's career, just as his stage work before World War II, I mean, he, you know, he was on in the, the West End and the Life Machine and Half a Crown and the Lady Ella Ponce and Plays that they can't do today because they're too intricate for a lot of actors nowadays to do. So I was like, eh. you know, there they are, popping up in these little these little um, amicus movies. Yeah. When did they stop? They did they go out of business? They went out of. They quit. That they? was going to be my next. Uh, hang on, I got to find the interview <laughs> with Milton Subotsky, and I will. Uh, I will read exactly what happened with that. Uh, thanks for the throw to that, Vicky. <laughs> Let me find Very it real nice. quick. Uh, da, 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 da. Page two. And then other films that weren't, though. I mean, was in The Skull, there's... That's Amicus, The Skull. Yeah, The Skull is also... He mentions that one here. Um, Sam Irvin, again, asked... Don't worry about the uh, hands. Yeah, oh, that... The, uh, um, 
and now the screaming start uh, starts. Uh, okay, well, that's a, that's the, the skull. I love, and I, I've recreated the, the scene a couple times. Uh, the scene where they pull Peter Cushing in front of the judge, and he uh, uh, he does the Russian roulette thing. Um, Sam Irvin in August of 1975 asks Milton Subotsky, "What are you up to with Amicus?" Milton Subotsky, M- M- Milton Subotsky. Well, I am leaving Amicus. That is what I'm up to with Amicus. I have, I have been having nothing but fights for the last three years. I've been having fights with Max Rosenberg, and he brought in a guy called John Dark, who's an absolute little bastard. Sam asks him, "Do you want me to print that?" Yes, he's a little swine. <laughs> <laughs> so well, Max at least Sam him. asked him before he told him he's going to print it. <laughs> Are you he's sure you want me to print this? Uh, this guy fancies himself a producer as well as an executive, and he gradually started to extend himself. We got into more battles. Finally, I said to hell with this, and I walked out. That was that, and there were financial problems with money. I was constantly fighting with Max about percentages and so on. I've got two more films that I've got to do with Amicus. And I signed an agreement that uh, that I do nothing but scripts and editing. And I will leave the physical production to John Dark. After that, it will be the end of Amicus. I don't think they will make another film. I came up with all the ideas. I wrote all the scripts. I rewrote the ones that didn't originate. I just don't want to battle with anyone anymore. I just want to go off and make my productions. I don't want any power struggles. They can have it. You see, Max never came up with any of these ideas. They were all my ideas. Max's job was financing. He has nothing to do with making these films. So once a person who creates the project is out, Who's going to give them projects? Scripts don't just come to you. Frankly, I don't think it, uh, they will be able to continue. I may be wrong. They may get some pictures made, but I don't see it uh, on what. Uh, but I don't see on what material. So yeah. <laughs> so wow. Amicus, ironically, uh, you know the root word being friend. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I have to sit there and say, I mean, by the end of them, I mean they were running out of steam. They were. Yeah, they, didn't, they didn't go out on a high. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. They're, they're still, you know, um, I think Vault of Horrors after this, which is a step down from this. Um, uh, from Beyond the Grave is after this. this. This interview was three years after this movie, so we still have a couple of good ones to go. From Beyond the Grave is great. But there, uh, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I like all the Amicus films. I don't want to take anything away from them because I do enjoy all of them. But there is wash, rinse, and repeat feel about them. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. And we're gonna get to that as we go through more of these. And you know, um, it's it's kind of like when we were talking about the Abbott and Costello movies. And you know, back then there was no home media, so if you missed it in the theater, it didn't matter because if you if you didn't see uh you know asylum or dr terror's house of horrors or whatever you don't know what the twist ending is there maybe none of your friends saw it. maybe it never came to your town you saw tales from the crypt but you were seeing it for the first time now you know 50 years later you get people like us who are watching them all and they're all readily available and i can watch all of them in the next two days if i want to right um but i will see the cracks and i will see oh this is there's a sameness to them and you're gonna get that, and we'll you know we'll we'll start seeing that um, as they go on. Um, and they also made movies that weren't anthology films, and those are not as well regarded. The anthology films is like their bread and butter. Um, after that, the dinosaur movies they made—if you watch those, the effects are terrible. 
Um, the writing is schlocky. Uh, the, some of them are on Mystery Science Theater 3000, so you can watch them that way. And I would, I, I would say, watch them. Mystery like, Science I, Theater. That's where the, that's where they all go to die. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, at the Earth's core, I, I, I enjoy the movie, but I enjoy it more watching it with MST3K. Yeah. Because it's just that much better. And it's on Netflix if you want to see it. Oh, uh, it makes it a little more fun to watch. The budget started getting lower and the costumes for the uh for the creatures started getting worse. But that's still it's still a while away after Tales from the Crypt. And from the you know, the mid sixties to the mid seventies, they were very, very good with the anthology movies, but you also gotta remember what happened in seventy three and seventy four. Because that's when The Exorcist came out. That's when Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out. And Black Christmas came out. And those movies just changed the landscape of horror entirely. So I guess uh, starting with you, Davide, uh, what do you think of uh, Tales from the Crypt? I think we already oh, know. Such a horrible movie. No, no, I'm joking. So it was a dark fantasy horror. That's the way I see it, but very humorous as well. I adore this movie. Um, I mean, the life lessons and the morality. I mean, you mentioned that it might be classified as a B movie, but goddamn what a B movie. I loved it. Oh. Yeah. I, I don't I, I don't see it as a B movie. I can't wait to make it watch to my brothers. So ten monkey paws out of five, if I could. <laughs> ten monkey um, paws out of five. This wow, well, I know at least I know what to what you like now. <laughs> this um, is this is probably one of the best movies I've ever watched. I'm not gonna lie. This is on the oh, top God, of my top list. Really, really, really Why loved you it. like this movie that much. Um you did mention a couple months ago. Uh, you mentioned liking the TV, the, the cartoon series Tales from the Crypt Keeper. Obviously, ah, this- there you go. I, I need I need to get into the the, the TV shows because you guys suggested it to me. I still need to get into it. Maybe for Christmas, I'll give it see since I got some. Uh, yeah, the, the one of the first episodes is a remake of the Joan Collins uh, and All Through the House, uh, just redone. Uh, the, the TV series is great. My my only complaint is that it's it's kind. I guess it seems to be kind of difficult to find if keith knows where to get it in the uk maybe you can watch it there um but it's uh yeah i love the tv series too but yeah i, I absolutely adore this movie i'm glad you really liked it i, w- I wasn't sure i was really curious oh no no, no no i adored it i really adored it it's, it's really well done i loved it awesome uh how about you vicky oh absolutely five for this one it was just good clean fun <laughs> it's just it's just fun to watch. I love anthologies as well for all the obvious reasons. They're short, the story. And if like like he said, if you don't like the story, there's always another one coming up. But these were all really well done, I thought. I, I was pretty happy with it. Yeah, at, at the at the worst, the stories were good <laughs> for this yeah. for this one. That's how I felt about it. Uh but so how about wasn't you? nothing horrendous about any of it. No, absolutely not. And how about you, Keith? Solid five classic, and um, I'll watch it. Bought the Blu-ray, bought the T-shirt, bought everything. But um, I, I, 
I like I love these kind of films. I'm very partial to these Amicus um, anthology films. So I'll show I you guys something here. This is the uh, how much I love. Uh, oh, what did I just do? Wrong, wrong thing. How do I spin this around to? to how do I spin the camera? Oh, there it is. I want to show you guys that. I have that hanging on my wall, which is uh, which was made by an artist I met at a convention a couple years ago. And as soon as I saw that, I grabbed it immediately. I'm like, I want that, and I hung it up on my wall. Um, in my um, in my LA apartment, and now it's it's in storage. I got to go get it out. I have um, an Italian um, an Italian release poster from this movie, which just has gorgeous artwork. I'll send you guys the uh, a photo of it later because I have it hanging over um, hanging over my couch. But yeah, I absolutely adore this movie too. I, I'm with you guys on this one. Yeah. Well, as for, as for me, I, I also give it a five. So, yeah, I, I've been gushing over this movie for like an hour and a half. So there's we'll watch it. <laughs> I would have never known you liked it, Joe. Yeah, I, I, I intimated last week. I was like, last week, we couldn't find any information on Island of Life. You won't be able to get me to shut the fuck up about Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> That's OK. <laughs> Absolutely love this movie. Go see it. Fucking check it out wherever you can see it. I own the Blu-ray. I owned it on V. I own multiple copies on VHS. I owned it on DVD. I own it on Blu-ray now. I just love this movie that much. Five stars. Check it out. <laughs> Well, that brings us to the end of the Literary License Podcast. Anthologies next month will be Sin City from 2005 and Southbound from 2015. And, of course, we'll be continuing our Make Remake next week with Lion King 1994 and the remake from 2019. And Book to Screen will be covering, we'll be going back to normal through January with our Death and Politics with Watership Down. The book by Richard Adams and the film from 1978. Batman animated series will start off with the the old Batman animated series with the Worryman and Sideshow, Trial and a Bullet for a Bullet for Bullet. Until next month, we'll be turning into the new adventures of Batman. And of course, two for one Dark Families will be the Iron Giant from 1999 and the Monster House from 2006. So it's good night for myself. Good night, Vix. Night, everybody. Merry Christmas. Good night, Joe. Good night, everyone. Good night, Davide. Good night, everyone. Peace, Davide. I'm a man of reason, and they say tis the season to be jolly, but it's folly when you volley for position. Never in existence has there been such a resistance to ideas meant to free us. If you could see us, then you'd listen. Toiling through the ages, making toys on garnished wages. There's no union, we're only through when we outdo the competition. Price to an elf. 
A full indentured servitude can reflect on one's attitude But that silly red hat just makes the fat man look outrageous Observe though it may seem you know I've heard There's even been illegal doping And though we're coping I just hope it's not contagious You try to start a movement And you think you see improvement But when thrown into the moment We just don't seem so courageous You wish for, there's a list for Who's been naughty or nice But consider the price to an elf You look at yourself, you're an elf And the shelf is just filled with disappointing memories Trends come and go And your friends wanna know Why you are just happy Making crappy little gizmos Every kid knows they'll just throw this stuff away So we drew up a petition We the undersigned feel undermined Let's redefine employment We know that we've got leverage So we'll hand the fat man a beverage He'll sit back while we attack The utter lack of our enjoyment It may be tough to swallow But our threats are far from hollow He may thunder, but if he blunders He may the toys went I make toys but I've got aspirations Make, make some, some noise Use your imagination Girls and boys Before you wish for what you wish for There's a list for who's been naughty or nice But consider the price Naughty or nice but consider the price Naughty or nice but consider the price to an elf